1: Use the promo code big blue.
0: Blue wire.
2: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, my co host Nick Pilato. Tonight, we are here to break down the New York Giants tape the defense on film against the Houston Texans in a game where. To be quite frank, the Giants defense absolutely annihilated the Texans up front for the first three possessions and for the entire first half. In the second half, a little bit of a different story. I kind of feel like a lot of that was just like scheme based and a lot of that was just like time based. I mean, Giants played more uh, too high in the second half, which I only think they did because they were up by 11 points. Um, And so we'll get to a little bit of that. But Overall, when they wanted to dominate this game, they did. And the big reason why they did, in my mind, at least, is because of two players. And that's Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Both of those guys were just too much to handle for this Texans front. And to me, that was my big takeaway from the film. And when I think about it, Nick, I think, well, Kenyon Green was supposed to be a damn good prospect. and 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 I haven't followed him at all. He could be having a good season. I don't know. He didn't have a great game against the Giants. And he could eventually be a good player. But they actually have some talent on that interior, and yet they were – and they could not handle Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. It, It gives me a lot of hope moving forward, Nick, because I don't feel like Leonard Williams has played with this version of Dexter Lawrence at any point in his career because he got injured early this season. Now he's back, Leonard Williams. He's strung together two really strong games looking like the old Leonard Williams. And this version of Dexter Lawrence is definitely different than the one from the past for whatever reason, he's just totally broken out in this year four. He's now become arguably a case can be made. He's like the best interior defensive lineman behind Aaron Donald this season so far. And that was never the case in the past with Leonard Williams. He was a good player. He wasn't this. And so I wonder moving forward, how many fronts, how many offensive fronts are going to have this kind of trouble against the giants. And now They can still pass on this team, I think. I don't think it's going to affect that too much if you you want to beat them in the pass game. But as far as just trying to do what the Texans did, which was establish the run, get Damian Pierce going, give him the opportunities that they wanted to give him, because that's been their lifeblood of their offense. It just wasn't doable against this Giants run defense uh, for the most part in this game, save for a few runs, which we'll go over. So, man, my big takeaway is it is nice to have those two in the middle, especially with Lawrence playing at this level.
1: Yeah, Dexter Lawrence played 58 snaps or something like that in this game. Leonard Williams, 59. They're playing a lot of snaps. And look what the defensive philosophy was in this game. We know you want to run the football. We know that the Houston Texans offense runs through Damian Pierce. So we're going to align in a tight front with both of our edges up on the line of scrimmage, basically creating a wall, five players on the line of scrimmage. Best of luck. And I believe that 44 yard rush by Damian Pierce, Dexter Lawrence wasn't even out there on the field. I, I really love this combination of Dexter Lawrence with Leonard Williams. I really think it could take this Giants defense very far. And on the back end, the Giants just ran a ton of cover one. They ran cover one 48.3% of the time, cover three 26.7, and then quarters 20% of the time with a little bit of cover two mixed in. A lot of those cover two snaps that you were referring to were actually just quarter snaps. You were mainly just talking about too high, Yeah, and I get that, but... The Giants were like, we're going to shut down the run up front and we're going to play cover one on the back end and you can't beat us. And guess what? Houston did not.
2: Yeah. And I feel like the only reason they started to use quarters anyway with two eye safety is because they had the lead. And, you know, they, this is what we'll see. When we get these Davis Mills type matchups, and I don't know how he'll treat Goff, Wink Martindale. I'm not sure he's going to treat it like Davis Mills. But we saw how he treated Baker. We saw how he treated Davis Mills. When he treat, when he gets like that lower, lower tier of quarterback, Wink is just going to simply do things like we saw six-man blitzes in this game. We haven't seen a lot of that at times. Like We didn't see that a lot for Trevor Lawrence, for example. And we're going to see more everyone on the line of scrimmage with simulated pressures. I just feel like the whole dictate to the offense thing that Wink Martindale talked about in the offseason, we saw early a lot early in the season. It's still true. It's still going to happen. It just has. They have to pick and choose. Like you're not going to do that against Geno Smith. You're not going to do that against Trevor Lawrence. You're probably not going to do that again. You better. Not, I don't think they should do that against Dak Prescott personally. I think he's one of the better processors. It's one of his best traits. Um, it's what made made him who he is. And there's some quarterbacks you're not going to do that again. I will be interested to see if he does that against Jalen Hurts though.
1: Containing Jalen Hurts yeah. is going to be the issue off that. Like in yeah, this game, you'll true. see in the first half. The Giants were really, really just aggressive with their pressure, and we saw the the blitz where the Giants bring the apex defender and the linebacker through the B-gap while sending Kayvon Thibodeau wide to remove the tackle and sending Leonard Williams right through the inside shoulder of the guard, essentially creating a huge void in the B-gap, isolating the running back in two-versus-one situations. I think we saw that two, possibly three times in this game. We'll get into that once we dive into the film.
2: Yep, and one more thing to mention before we go into the film, and then we're going dive, to dive right in in a second, but... You mentioned the big run by Damian Pierce happened when Dexter Lawrence wasn't even on the field and Dexter Lawrence played what 90% of the snaps him and Leonard Williams. They just balled out. They just relied on him for everything. But what's interesting to me is a stat courtesy of Doug analytics. Who's now becoming a a, a mainstay on this show. Uh, So far this season with Dexter Lawrence on the field, there's been 178 rush attempts against the giants. Teams have rushed for 782 yards. That's 4.39 yards per carry. You might hear that and be like, that's kind of a lot. It's over four. But with Dexter off the field, there's been 31 snaps, 278 yards, and 8.9 yards per carry average. So 8.9.7 Lawrence off the field, 4.39 with him on the field. And, that, and there's only 148. It's not like that 48-yard run really skews that because there's still, you know, 230 yards without that or 235 yards without that. So the difference he's made not only as a pass rusher, which is obvious to you guys now this season, but as a run defender who has always been great is amazing. And, It's interesting now because the Giants signed uh, Vernon Butler to their practice squad, the former Dave Gettleman first-round pick, and it's like (laughs) – Gettleman, what Gettleman eventually got right with Dexter Lawrence in the draft he wanted with Vernon Butler. Like He thought but- Butler was going to be that same thing, a six a six foot four, 330 pounder who can move really well for his size. And it just didn't work out. But then luckily for the Giants, he tried it again in his second GM tenure. And for us, we got the good guy. We got Dexter Lawrence. So it worked out great for us. But I think it was, I just came to my mind when I saw the Giants uh, claimed him off waivers.
1: And in terms of Dexter Lawrence too, it's just, we brought this up in previous podcasts, his ability to use his hands efficiently, I think is what has really taken his game to the next level. Cause the strength was always there, the speed and the agility and the burst and all of those traits were always there. The length was always there. The weight, the leverage, all those things were always there, but now you just don't ever really see any wasted movements with his hands. His aiming points are so on target. They're so precise. The Just overall precision he is playing with, I think, has taken his game to the next level while also possessing all of those other traits. So this is a 25-year-old, man. Like This kid could really, really hit his ceiling, and I think that is a very, very high ceiling.
2: Yep, you nailed it. Let's dive right into the film then, Nick, and let's get this thing started because guess what? We got some fun film to go over, baby. The Giants kicked this bad boy off with three straight three and outs on defense. That is awesome, baby. The first one was just, again, three plays third and 11 off the field with a sack. Start here with the play action play. Um, And Kayvon Thibodeau does a great job here to get in the throwing lane of Davis Mills in my mind. And that's what kind of altered Davis Mills is not a quarterback who can really change his arm trajectory and and change his arm uh, angle and make this throw because the guy is open, but and there's a little bit of a natural pick as you'll see on the film right there, but can't change the arm angle Thibodeau in his pass lane. And that's enough for the errant throw.
1: Yeah. And Kayvon kind of read this the entire time. You could see how his eyes never really go off of Davis Mills. And I love how he changes direction. You see how it's kind of flat, kind of flat. And then once he sees Davis Mills certainly has the football, he goes up and cuts Davis Mills angle off the play action bootleg off. And I really think that is what facilitated this incomplete pass at the feet of the tight end.
2: Yeah. Great call. Second and ten. What are, oh, are the Texans going to do? Play. This is a yeah. great
1: play by now member of the 53 man roster, Henry oh, yeah. Mondu, who literally ragdolls Laramie Tunsil, one of the best offensive tackles in the league, to the ground to tackle Damian Pierce for a one yard loss. Absolutely love this play from Mondu.
2: Yeah, now he that's. You know, he earned that spot on the 53-man roster. He had a good game, and you'll see the snap where later in the game where Ellis has a really bad snap that leads to a big run, and I think that was part of the reason why we saw a lot more Mondew. Is it Mondew or Mondo?
1: If it's anything know. similar to Kayvon Thibodeau, which, it's a, which his spelling suggests it would be, it would be Mondo.
2: Okay, because that's what so, I thought, then I heard you do a do. Right there on your, yeah. Left. I don't
1: know why I was doing the doo doo there when it's definitely the dodo. Oh, I know why well, <laughs> you're
2: really bad with all these pronunciations of players.
1: Right? <laughs> don't you slander my Devonta Smith taker, right? And my Devonta oh, Freeman. I thought Jake. you were
2: only doing it on Freeman. Obviously, it's Devonta Smith that you can't nah, even try to even not. go in that direction. But we'll move past that. The the Eagles game is later this year. We'll deal with that. We'll tackle that problem when it arises. But for now, we're faced with a third and eleven after well, that. I want to go over
1: this Mondu yeah, play just for the YouTube audience, real quick. This is textbook stack and shed defensive line play from Henry Mondu. Look how low he is at the snap and how he fires his hands. He keeps his elbows tight and look where his hands are. They are right on the inside part of the shoulder pad of Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil too, he doesn't really necessarily have the best technique kind of leaning into this contact. I'm wondering if his foot was stepped on right there. Maybe it was grazed, which could maybe led to the facilitation of bad technique here, but look how low Mondu is this entire time gets his feet underneath him, and then he just sheds, goes inside. He doesn't go outside. He goes inside of the play and still makes this tackle on Damian Pierce. I would just really respect this from a practice squad type of player, but I am wondering if Laramie Tunsil's foot was stepped on there.
2: Yeah, because otherwise it's a freaking hell of a rep against a player like Laramie Tunsil. He's one of the best left tackles in the NFL this season. So just awesome to see Mondo, Mondo make a play like that. Sets up this third and 11 where your Giants already show what they're going to show, man. Cover one. Seven on the line of scrimmage, the blitz from Pinnock. It's just good luck, Davis Mills. We are dictating to you. I like that Davis Mills tried to, like, early on spin out of this, Russ Wilson, this thing. But, unfortunately, it's it's Davis Mills. He doesn't have the athleticism to, like, Russ Wilson, this bad boy, and spin out. He nearly gets out of Pinnock's, or he does get out of Pinnock's grasp. But by that point, you have Dexter Lawrence rally to the football to clean it up.
1: And And look at the line of scrimmage right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. New York Giants on the line of scrimmage. Dane Belton in the A-gap. O'Shane Zimenez does not come, but the tackle to that side, the right tackle, has to respect him. So what ends up happening is the tackle and the guard on the right side end up basically double-teaming Jihad Ward, which creates a one-on-one block for Dexter Lawrence, Dane Belton, Leonard Williams, and Kayvon Thibodeau. Nobody ends up picking up Jason Pinnock here. And also, I love the miscommunication. This pressure look gives to the Houston Texans, because if you watch Leonard Williams gets isolated against Rex Burkhead and the guard ends up taking Dane Belton. That is not what you want to happen. But when you dictate terms and you overload your line of scrimmage, there are going to be errors from the posing protection package. So there are a lot of errors here from the Houston Texans. But this is Wink's game. And this ends up being a sack for I believe it was credited to Jason Pinnock and Dexter Lawrence.
2: Yep. And that was a six man pass rush. The Blitz is five or more. That's considered a blitz and they send six to get off the field, quick three and out. And we'll roll into this second drive where once again, the giants do force a three and out. I mean, look at this point they're owning the line of scrimmage. They're using a lot of what we saw against the Titans with the tight formations with five guys on the line of scrimmage, the two edges, and then those three inside guys in the middle. We see that a lot throughout this game because they're just basically like, you're not going to beat us with Damien Pierce. And here they try to go outside with a pitch to Pierce, use the tight end in motion. Um, they need that kind of uh, reduced split wide receiver to, to make his playing block. But Leonard Williams says, I don't care. He penetrates and then pursues. And that's why, you know, I was talking earlier about Leonard Williams, just having such a good set He's had back to back, really good games for the giants. And this was one of my favorite plays by him. Cause he penetrates immediately with the good use of his hands there. And you could see the, the, the Texans guard just off balance and then pursues and makes the play after the penetration, uh, you know, after the back gets through the penetration.
1: Leonard Williams uses a club swim move over the top of rookie Kenyon green also makes contact with Kenyon greens outside shoulder to further his balance right at the snap. It's like his initial move. You can kind of see it there on the YouTube and look tackle for a loss. That, that is an excellent play in pursuit by Leonard Williams. Going inside on an outside halfback pitch run. Also thought the Giants played it pretty well to the play side. Adoree Jackson just kind of finds a soft spot to occupy two blockers. Jihad Ward pushes the wide receiver back. Jalen Smith is in position. Fabian Moreau is in position. Just well-executed run defense there from the New York Giants.
2: Yeah, it's the classic thing we've seen all season with this Wink-Martindale defense where the players rallying to the football. Everyone wants to be involved on the play, especially on these run plays or the throws underneath. That's just been the MO of this defense. I don't want to say it wasn't the case in the past, but you don't see it all the time with defenses. Uh, this defense certainly is one of those defenses, though.
1: Also something I noticed, and we see it here on this play-action completion that goes for six yards on second and 10, the Giants really liked sending Micah McFadden through the A-gap and then having Jalen Smith replace him Kind of like a uh, blitz and then replace type of technique here. And you'll see it. Michael McFadden goes right to the A gap. Jalen Smith replaces in the path of where Damian Pierce would have been if the football was handed off. You're going to see that throughout the game. So Wink Martindale's getting Michael McFadden involved in this blitz package, whether it be on first down or second down, sometimes on third down, if he is out there on the field. And that was one of our favorite traits of him when he came out
2: of Indiana. Yep. You nailed it. And and we'll see a play later in this game where some exact thing that Nick just said happens where McFadden will blitz into a gap. You'll have Jalen Smith replace him and he'll stop a run play just because of that. So obviously, as you see here, we rolled through the second down, just a little quick hitter. And on third down, they try this little fade outside against Moreau. Um, and I don't want to say it was probably close to a passenger. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't turn his head around. I think we got a little, I'm happy they don't call this, but I, I I've seen them call this at, t- at times in the past. So I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't called in this situation.
1: Same here. And if we look at the defensive personnel, no linebackers out there on the field, you have three down right. linemen still in the tight front on a third and four situation with O'Shane Zimenez cave on Thibodeau, both wide and wide techniques off of their offensive tackles. Dane Belton is the Mike linebacker, quote unquote, and Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Jihad Ward, they all slant inside. Jihad Ward kind of acts like he's going to rush and then drops into an underneath coverage. And the objective here is to have Titus Howard block down on Leonard Williams. And then Dane Belton was going to loop right around to get pressure, but it's picked up pretty well by the Houston Texans. But you can kind of start to see how the Giants two third down so far, they both have two different types of pressures in two different types of personnel packages so you know wink martindale even though he didn't necessarily have to in this game he he dove into the bag of tricks early to make davis mills wildly uncomfortable
2: yeah no doubt about it there's two pre that's two two blitzes already like two sending extra guys it's not like they plan to drop in coverage here they didn't plan to run like a basic type of cover two or any kind of zone on the third downs they wanted to dictate to davis mills as they should have. And that's not just Mills. It's the receivers, too. Like, his receiver could have made a play on that ball, but it was solid coverage by Moreau, and he didn't make the play on the ball. Giants get off the field. So that's two three and outs to start the game. Now we get to this third drive, where it is another three and out by the Giants' defense, which is just crazy. Not Three drives and just nine plays for the Texans. Just excellent stuff here. It looks like this first play might have got tipped by... Did O'Shane Ziminens get his hand on this? It's so hard to see, in my mind.
1: I think he does just because of the throw, even though it's from the far hash, it doesn't travel a huge distance and it just dies on Davis Mills because the Texans use motion to confirm the coverage. It's man coverage with a Dory Jackson covering Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks gets run out into the flat. Davis Mills essentially catches this ball and fires it. Cooks has some leverage on a Dory Jackson, but the ball just dies. I'm pretty sure O'Shane is yeah, it it looks like it changes trajectory
2: just a little bit. O'Shane might've just grazed it, which forced the errant throw into the dirt. Sometimes that's all you need because that's what made it go short sets up a second and 10 situation too, right after it, which is nice because that could have been an easy second and five. And obviously here you're going to see the play that I referenced a bit earlier with McFadden 41 shooting the gap and then Jalen Smith 54 coming around to replace him. And that gives nowhere to go for (laughs) Damian Pierce who gets stacked up after um, Smith makes first contact by Leonard Williams and a few giants to rally the football as usual giants rallying the ball. I mean, look, if you're the Texans and you're seeing these kinds of fronts, I, I'm just surprised, man, that they ran on. this. They ran on a lot of second and long situations that just didn't make sense from a box standpoint, from an advantageous box standpoint. And they just felt like they I guess they felt like they could just do it against the Giants because the Giants came into this with a, with a quote unquote bad run defense, at least by the numbers. But over these last two games, man, since they made the change to put Jalen Smith as the mic and take take Crowder out of the defense, the run defense has been a lot better.
1: And in this specific play, the Texans are in 13 personnel and they're running to the weak side. All three of the tight ends are to the field side. And the Giants have a Leonard Williams as a three technique to the weak side with Dexter Lawrence as the nose. And then Mondu as a four technique to the strong side with Kayvon Thibodeau outside of the tight ends, basically over the top of that last tight end, the third one out there. And you blitz Micah McFadden through the A-gap to the weak side, the run side. So now you're just basically eliminating a defender from that side. This is just a great technique that I'm sure was coached by Wink Martindale, but a great execution by Jalen Smith to just loop right around the blitz and then find Damian Pierce to tackle him at the line of scrimmage because if Jalen Smith doesn't do this and Jalen Smith gets caught and he's not instinctive here, stuff that we've seen Jalen Smith do when he returns the Giants early in this season, this run could have been pretty damn big for Damian Pierce. So luckily the Giants had their I's dotted and their T's crossed here.
2: Yep, you so nailed this that. This
1: would one. have been Damian Pearson and Dane Belton if Jalen Smith didn't do what he
2: did to fill. And we've seen over, we, like, we've seen at times this season linebackers not make that fill right there, right? We've seen it with Tate Crowder. We have even seen it with Tate, with Jalen Smith at times this year. Um, and then earlier this season when they had other, when they had Calitro in there, that was the case as well. But he didn't get many. I'm skills.
1: also. Curious if Michael McFadden doesn't blitz here, what ends up happening? Because Jalen Smith probably wouldn't have played it as aggressively. And would Michael McFadden have been as instinctive as Jalen Smith to kind of come down and, and fill with the blocker who would have had a couple steps to climb up on top of him? It would have been a maybe a different result, but regardless, it's a really positive play for the Giants defense.
2: Yeah, very little wasted space there by Jalen Smith and his path toward the ball carrier to set up this third and long situation here. For the Texans. And once again, we get another blitz from the Giants here. This time it's Belton and Pinnock off the left side of the line of scrimmage. It's a B gap blitz. Um, all that Davis Mills can really do is throw hot. It is a simulated pressure, I think, but I also I think it ends up being five men sent. So it's considered a blitz because five men do go after the quarterback. But when you're the quarterback, you have to read this. You read hot, you get the ball to the opposite side of the blitz. But There's just not nearly enough because the Giants can rally to the ball to that underneath throw, and you're just relying on basically like a missed tackle, which doesn't happen.
1: Wasted blockers. If you look at the left side of Houston's offensive line, both O'Shane Zimenez and Jahad Ward drop off into coverage, where the B-gap on the other side of the line of scrimmage becomes wide open because Dexter Lawrence is over the center. Leonard Williams goes through the inside shoulder of the guard, which creates a wider B-gap. And then Kayvon Thibodeau goes wide against Titus Howard. You have two blockers not blocking anybody, Laramie Tunsil and Kenyon Green, with two DBs Dane Belton and Jason Pinnock running right in at Davis Mills. Davis Mills had to get rid of the football. This is a five-man protection that this blitz is designed to take advantage of five-man protections, and it was well executed by the Giants. They did it with good timing; didn't really run into each other. Everything is flowing. It's just this play design was to get the football to Philip Dorsett, but did not go ten yards on this third and ten. It went what, like four yards? Four yards. Tackle, punt. Great execution, great call by Wink Martindale,
2: and a nice form tackle at the end there by. Dory Jackson, he breaks down, he eliminates any path to kind of create anything there. And so we got a lot of things we like there. We got the old school Martindale. I want to call it old school just so we saw it a little bit more earlier in the season. Simulated pressure with wasted blockers. We always want to see wasted blockers on the opposing team. And uh, Larry Tunsil was wasted there. And then a good form tackle to prevent any kind of yak. So we roll into this fourth drive here, having only played nine snaps. The defense has only been on the field nine snaps. It's just three and out, three and out, three and out. And finally, the Texans do get something going here. Albeit it was sparked by one huge play, but it still ends up being a seven play, sixty-one yard field. goal drive. Though one of those plays was forty-four yards, so the, the the remainder of those plays was six plays, seventeen yards. So it's still really good defense in my mind on this drive, or six plays, twenty-seven yards. Still, still really good defense on this drive, but uh, we'll obviously go over the forty-four yard run because it was a very bad angle taken by the player uh, in in a role that you know we didn't expect him to be in. Dame Belton and. Pretty damn sure, Nick, as we'll show the play in a few minutes now or a few moments now, Xavier McKinney wouldn't have taken that angle.
1: Yeah, the the play by Dame Belton was bad on the forty four yard run. But look at the personnel that's out there because this is the first drive where the Texans get any offense going, and they yeah. establish a run on first down with twelve yard run right here. Who's not out there? Big Nixon number ninety seven. Yeah, extra Lawrence is not out there. It's Jelly at the nose spot, and he's he a little bit on destroyed
2: on this play. Yeah,
1: just a deuce block right there, and it allows Quessenberry – Scott Questenberry, look, he chips Kenyon Green, takes out Jelly, and then Questenberry has a free access right up to Jalen Smith. And there's just a huge hole for Damian Pierce, finds the cutback and goes for 12 yards. This is just one of those things, man, where it's like without Dexter Lawrence, you're starting to see how the run defense is a little bit more compromised. I mean, that's a huge step down from D Law to Justin Ellis.
2: And I love that run by Damian Pierce, man. He's, he's, they don't have much talent on this roster. It's- I think this is by far and away the least talented roster the Giants have faced this season without a doubt because even Carolina has some defensive guys that I like, but Damon Pierce is a fine for them. That was a fourth round pick for them. We loved him. We sung his praises. We said he was the most underrated running back in the class. We said he was the best value pick in the class at running back. We even on that podcast, I listened back to it, Nick, when we did his draft profile, we thought that he might be one of the best values in the whole class. Um, And I think he's turning out to be already. I love his patience. I love his vision. I love his like, the vision cuts that he makes, and then obviously his number one trait, the contact balance, um, which is really rare. You don't see it often the way he has it. So he makes a good run there. Um, And then here we're just showing a little five yard run here on the first and 10.
1: Yeah, a little power gap, nice little five yard run. Second and five. Yeah, this is the counter run.
2: And you could see in that clip that the the angle 24 takes, Dane Belton, that that really makes this play possible, or at least makes this possible to go for the amount. It's still an incredible cut by Damian Pierce and it's really good vision and he's got good bursts as well. I mean, this is a really, really good player, Damian Pierce, but having said that, I just don't think this play goes for that long with Xavier McKinney because he's not going to, like, he's going to take a much better angle than, and what did we say when we did our McKinney review podcast When we did our, like, McKinney fallout podcast? We are like... We're not so much worried about, like, the back end and coverage. We're more worried about the third level in run defense. That's where, you know, bad bad safety play can really kill you. We saw it in the past with Darian Thompson in run defense years ago during the Betcher era and other safeties you try to put back there like Antoine Bethea, and I think it's definitely going to be a concern to me moving forward for as long as McKinney is out for.
1: I agree. And this is just a really well designed play call. Look, the Giants keep aligning in tight front. Counter is a good way to counter <laughs> the tight front right here. If you could just block everybody down, you get your tight end to the strong side, which is the play side, to climb up to the mic linebacker. Giants have a pretty light box, I would say. And then you kick out the end man on the line of scrimmage and you just spring a long run because if Dane Belton takes a bad angle, it's going to be a long run. Luckily, Damian Pierce isn't somebody who possesses breakaway speed or anything like that but this is just well designed running by the houston texans a good play call against the new york giants and it's difficult for jalen smith to really get in position here with the linebacker who is un or with the tight end who is untouched who can
2: easily access him and climb like that yeah we take that angle against deandre swift if he's healthy this week that's a touchdown we take that angle and stoney pollard Dean Belton takes that angle; it's a touchdown. So there will be teams left on the schedule that can that has back, that have backs that have the breakaway speed. Pierce, that's one of his traits that he didn't have. That's why he was a fourth round pick, as well as just not playing a lot in college. But um, yeah, as you can see, luckily we were able to stop them with a rally to the ball because otherwise it would have been a touchdown. This drive ends in a field goal, so it was a huge play to stop that from being a touchdown.
1: The Giants are able to substitute at least. And now you see 97 on the field, but Houston breaks the huddle and then they basically get set and they run the play watching on YouTube. You can see the Giants defense. They're not even really in position at this point. Like they're kind of scrambling before the snap, but it's just a little quick screen to Brendan cooks. I believe that just ends up kind of getting blown up and
2: it's just like a gain of a yard. Yeah. Um, Yep. Not not too much. Sets up a second and nine where, you know, Texans are getting back in their bag. They want to run the football. That's what they are. That's, there's no surprise here. So they try to go back to Pierce. And this time, the Giants are just simply ready for this play. You have an incredible individual play by Dexter Lawrence, who's now back on the field and making his mark.
1: <laughs> They're like, oh, man, 97's back out there. Ru- running the football is now off the table. And you could see how Dexter Lawrence goes up against Quisenberry, the center, who he, it was almost a Sam Mustafer type of game against Quisenberry. <laughs> I think Quisenberry's a better center. It than, wasn't than- quite
2: Mustafer level.
1: Yeah, it wasn't quite Mustafer level. Oh, my God, man. Like, Dexter Lawrence has had his way with this kid. <laughs> and you can see on this play, Dexter Lawrence just makes contact with his one arm, uses a long arm, gets his eyes on Damian Pierce, flows to where Damian Pierce is going, sheds, and, and just makes the tackle. And it doesn't even look like, almost called a Mustafer. Questenberry gets his feet underneath him at some point. I don't even know if his foot gets kicked on this one play because his foot just, yeah, I think, I think he almost gets stepped on. You can see how his foot just gets thrown up in the air. And then Dexter Lawrence is like, ah, no, nah, I'm just going to own you now. And that's exactly what happened.
2: Yeah. It's funny. I mean, so much of the NFL is about when you play teams, right? Like the, just makes me think about that. When you mentioned Mustafer. like the giants played the bears and Packers at the perfect time this year, I agree. Man. like the bears, especially if they were running the offense, they're running now, like, we already saw the kind of trouble that the Ravens gave the Giants to that kind of offense. It would be a lot more difficult to win that game. And then the the flip side of that, the Packers, like, I don't know if they're going to keep it up, but whatever they put on the field on tape against the Cowboys, that was not the team the Giants played in London. So you know what? It's, it's just part of the NFL, though. It's part, partly just when you play these teams.
1: I couldn't agree more. I've been thinking about that, actually, ever since Sunday when the Bears just consistently put up points. But Funny enough, man, Bears lost against the Detroit Lions. They're still the losing Giants
2: games because their defense freaking blows. But um, they traded all their good at players away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now we have this third and 10 that it sets up here. And you have a nice break on the football by a Dory Jackson here. Once again, it's a blitz from the giants. They send, I believe let's count it. One, two, three, four, five, six giants defenders. They really are just dictating the Davis mills. We're not even just talking about blitzes. Like one extra dude We're talking about six men only leaving five and covered. That's not all teams do this. And again, Davis Mills, I like how he resets the pocket here. Like he finds his throwing lane by sliding a little bit to his left and then ripping. But that's still a tough throw, man. Even if you're able to reset and find a throwing lane, you're still throwing to the wide side there. You're you're throwing short of the sticks and just it's never going to work. I, this play to me is just dead from the start.
1: Dane Belton also, like he acts like he's coming on this blitz. I think his assignment is actually a Goomba Wale here. He engages, but he keeps his eyes on a Goomba Wale. And then he also, I'm telling you, man, Dane Belton's just a smart kid. He might not be all there and he makes some mistakes that are frustrating, which he did at Iowa too, especially with tackling angles and things like that. That was like my biggest gripe about this player. But I do feel like from a, from a baiting the quarterback and then reacting to the quarterback's intentions kind of standpoint, he always almost or does get his hand on the football. Like right here, like this is a very quick bang-bang play. He almost knocks this ball down at the line of scrimmage. Might even possibly get a finger on it. It's very close, a little bit difficult to tell. I don't believe he does, though, actually, because I remember from the sideline view, I think it doesn't look nearly as close as we think. But even so, he read the play here, and I think he, yeah, it wasn't even nearly as close. Look at the difference.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) It it looks
1: so close on the other angle. I know. It
2: It always looks closer on the end zone angle.
1: Angles are are very deceptive, but still, regardless, a good play by Dane Belton, and I just yep. love how Adoree Jackson finishes this play on. I think it's Nico Collins just gets his hand into the catch point and forces a PBU, which resulted in the field goal. I'm telling you, dude, we, we talk a lot about Dexter Lawrence, rightfully so, but Adoree Jackson is having an incredible season right now, Dan. He is playing some fantastic football. like. I haven't watched all the other NFL teams, but I wouldn't be right. shocked if he cracked like the top 10 cornerbacks, which I would not have said at the beginning of the season. I was thinking more along the lines, like, yeah, he's, he's somebody who could start for you, but ideally you want him to be cornerback too. No, absolutely not anymore because we were a little bit hesitant to say, oh, yeah, he's just going to assume James Bradbury's role. We knew he was good last year, but that was because he was on number two. So now he's manning up in the
2: slot, right.
1: shadowing sometimes, and he's just playing phenomenal football at this moment.
2: Yeah, it's just crazy to watch him play because he's just always around the ball. He's just never – you never feel – like, yeah, he got burned on the double move by Tyler Lockett a couple weeks ago. Like, that's going to happen. But, like, you can never be perfect as a corner. But for the most part, he's just around the football when it's thrown in his direction. So, great player for the Giants right now. Okay, that ends in a field goal. So, it sets up this fifth drive for the Texans. And once again, the Giants kind of cracked down here. Again, that last drive was just basically one big play from Damian Pierce and then one other first down run uh, of 12 yards. This play is, this drive is six plays, 19 yards. So they're able to get one first down on the Giants on the third and short. But after that, the Giants bogged down. The Giants and bogged five pounds, sorry.
1: Yeah, on this first play, I think this is where Dexter Lawrence just kind of takes – Kenyon Green for a ride here and gets like second effort where Kenyon Green looks like he's going to win this rep. He gets his hands inside. This is just a run by Damian Pierce that goes for three yards. He gets his hands inside Kenyon Green and he kind of pushes Dexter Lawrence back. But you can see Dexter Lawrence peeking through the A gap before realizing he has to go back to the B gap. And he just uses his sheer power and might to fight through the outside shoulder of Damian Pierce or of Kenyon Green to contact Damian Pierce where the rest of the New York
2: Giants kind of rally and make this tackle. Yep, and yep. sets up the second and seven situation where the Texans just do a pretty good job here of, of attacking some off coverage by the Giants. You can see at the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube, the Giants corner is playing very far off the ball. Texans noticed that pre-snap with Davis Mills and just a quick catch the ball, fire it out there right there and pick up five.
1: Yeah, on the Dory Jackson. Dory Jackson's almost, what, like seven and a half, eight yards off the football. Yes. This was basically one of the only ways... Other than the Damian Pierce run that the Texans move the football in the first half, which is attacking off leverage. It's something that we've kind of discussed quite often on the Big Blue Banter podcast about how the Giants like to use off coverage, especially when they bring the pressure, which does make sense. But a lot of teams are recognizing that and then just taking what the defense is giving them five, six, seven yards here and there.
2: Yep. And it sets up a third and two where they go back to the bread and butter, at least what they want to do, the Texans, which is running the football. And just a little pin pull concept here. Giants do a good job limiting this to being from being like a big gainer, but it's enough to get the first.
1: And the Giants also come out tight front. Six guys on the line of scrimmage. The Texans have the tight end to the field side, the play side, with Chris Moore and Nico Collins both reduced. So you have a lot of bodies towards Kayvon Thibodeau and Darnay Holmes. And Darnay Holmes gets taken out by Nico Collins here. But I really love how Darnay Holmes fights and shows resilience by getting up after getting his ass knocked down and finding Damian Pierce and making this tackle. I think this was a, a great individual play that it's kind of a microcosm of what the New York Giants are right here, right? You get knocked down sometimes, but you're resilient and you come back in the end and you, and you end up making a play. So I really liked what Darnay Holmes was able to do here, even though it looks like he got his ass kicked in the initial parts of the play.
2: Yeah. I think that was very well said. I thought you you nailed it. It was a good hustle play, which the Giants are, Eric, it's, it's common for this defense to see good hustle plays. That's something that at least stands out for some of the other defenses we've seen in the past, but it sets up this. Well,
1: speaking first- of hustle, look at Dexter Lawrence on this same play right here. Dexter Lawrence sprinting down the line of scrimmage, man. Almost like, oh, is he gonna make a play similar to what he did against Baker Mayfield in week two? Like you just seeing that type of acceleration from Dexter Lawrence is is uh it's not something you typically see from anybody who's over 320 pounds, let alone 340.
2: Yeah, you're right. Have some fun by just watching that man move. Look at him go 340 pounds and moving down moving laterally like somebody who's 260 at at most, but it sets up this first and 10 situations. Texans want to run a little bit of play action here, but it's not possible because the Giants pass rush gets right to them here with the pressure from Dexter Lawrence. This one I thought should have been ruled a backwards lateral and a fumble. Um, they never challenged it, the Giants, for some for some reason. I was kind of surprised Dable didn't challenge it, but it ends up going as an incompletion.
1: This is on first and 10, right after Damian Pierce picked up the... Uh, he picked up three yards on that last play. I don't know if we said that, but he gets the first down, obviously. And look at Dexter Lawrence, how he uses his hands against Scott Questenberry here to, to get to the half man, to get hip to hip. Just hand fighting, gets to the rip move, completes the separation, hits Davis Mills, and then by that point, Jalen Smith, who blitzed, ends up getting in and finding some sort of soft spot between the protection, which doesn't really make sense because 60's right here to block him, but 60 just kind of goes for a punch and he just misses. I'm not sure where his eyes are because as he goes to punch Jalen Smith, it's like he didn't respect Jalen Smith. He goes to punch and then he puts his eyes looking for a looper like it was going to be a twist from the other side, but he never really makes any kind of clear contact on Jalen Smith. So Jalen Smith just penetrates into the pocket and really should have probably had a sack here, but... It ended up getting ruled an incomplete pass. Let's watch the sideline angle to see how the coverage was downfield. Cause there was a little bit of time for Davis
2: mills off the play action. You got the cover one here with just the single side high safety. Not, I mean, he could have maybe hit that deep over, but it's on the, on the top of the screen, but it's a tough throw to make there. I mean, you got, I really think it.
1: Yeah, that. he's already, he's already wrapped up at this time. And I'm wondering, since oh, yeah, no, no, tried, I would
2: mean you got to throw that way or just, it had to be an anticipation throw. Definitely not. It,
1: if running this type of a uh, play call against the giants is, is a little bit dubious. Yes. It's a, it's questionable because the giants have been getting pressure on you all game. And I know this is first and 10, you've been running the football. You want to try to create an explosive play, but there are no options to throw the football other than this Yankee concept, deep post deep, horizontal crossed. Right. So like, this is like almost 25, 30 yards downfield. Like there's no way Davis mills could throw this football uh, maybe like right here, right as he's about to get hit. But even if he does, man, you have a couple giants who could make a play on that. I'm wondering if yep. if, if the protection held up and Davis Mills had a chance to hit this horse off the cross. But Dory Jackson looks like, it's hard to see, but it looks like he's looking through his assignment with the oh, deep safety there. If he would have undercut that, it would have been a touchdown. The only player who could have possibly made an impact, it was Damian Pierce, who was alone in the flat. But by that point, Davis Mills was getting bear hugged by Jalen Smith.
2: Yeah, it's a yep, exact. Well said by you. And he tried to get it out there eventually, but he was a little too late with it. Um, so it sets up this play, which I believe was a second that was ruled incomplete. So this is a second down situation. Pierce, this one could have been a big one, but Pierce trips, um, which which worked in the Giants' favor. Yeah, what did he trade? Oh,
1: he tripped over Davis Mills. Yeah, over the, Mills' was, the left leg. Yeah, Davis Mills. Davis Mills has such a long neck, dude. I just couldn't really get over that. But it's it, it is Glennon-esque, but this is a really good fill by Michael McFadden to read this. Michael McFadden, look at that physicality he just showed. Such a nice physical
2: fill. That. Wow. you got to 20- watch this on the YouTube. For those watching and, and for those listening, go check out our YouTube just to watch how physical McFadden is coming downhill here, firing his body in for this fill.
1: Weak side. 22 personnel run with a double y set so you're running to the boundary on the weak side and you're essentially just trying to take advantage of Micah mcfadden here and the blocking is solid and the fullback just goes right into the hole but Micah mcfadden is so quick to diagnose what is going on he meets the fullback in the hole lowers his shoulder wins the pad level battle and ends up basically making this tackle but all the other giants defenders end up rallying dexter lawrence and everybody but yeah you gotta love this play from the rookie this is plays like this i think are the reason why we're seeing Micah
2: mcfadden out there and not Tate Crowder. Yeah, you're right, because he's just a little bit more decisive than Tate Crowder. He's a little bit more willing to just slam downhill and just maybe he's not always going to be right, but at least he's not with, with Crowder. There's so much hesitation. There's a play later in the game where Crowder on the field for where I just felt like maybe the giants watched and they're like, this is why he doesn't get snaps because he's a little slow to come around. It's just, it's, it's the instincts. It's the linebacker instincts that I just don't fully feel like Crowder has. Um, and it's held him back at times, but here we have a third and four Texans want to run the football. They try to get cute. You cannot run on this. Like, I understand why they want to run here, given the pre-snap look from the giants defense, but you're just, you're just relying on so much here. You're, you're trying to, you're relying on, um, Beating a defensive line that has Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau on the side of the ball that you're trying to run to, I just think that that's a really risky situation, really risky call to try to get four yards from, and obviously they're not able to. The Giants have four guys in the box here on this third and four,
1: and then they have their two edge rushers wide, so they're not counted in the tackle box. And they're in a the quarter, right? Yeah, the, the fourth guy is Dane Belton. He's the linebacker, and at the snap, Wink Martindale sends Dane Belton to the side of Wale, who's the running back it's not Damian Pierce here so he blitzes that a gap which allows Dexter Lawrence to go towards the eventual play side so now you have Dexter Lawrence engaging Kenyon Green to the play side with Leonard Williams in the tackle and then Kayvon Thibodeau just squeezes down as he sees Laramie Tunsil step down he squeezes down the line of scrimmage to make this tackle on actually it's Rex Burkhead not Wale, my bad but Rex Burkhead on this play and we check it out from the sideline angle Dan Look, you, you you have one deep safety in Julian Love, and then it looks like obvious man coverage from the yeah. rest of the play. And I'm wondering if this was an RPO or something, because it looks like number four right there, Philip Dorsett, is a little confused as to why the ball didn't go from a, to him because this is a screen pass to Philip Dorsett. So I'm wondering if this was a check at the line of scrimmage where Davis Mills counted four players and said, yeah, we're going to hand the football off, but it looks like Philip Dorsett it might be a little bit upset about that.
2: Yeah, and it see, was a great, and you could see from that angle how well on Thibodeau played it. He plays this really smart to force that uh, inside because he doesn't give away, give out, give the outside leverage, and he forces uh, or the outside contain, and he gives and he forces Burkhead to kind of cut it back inside toward the rallying defender. So I just yep. like how Thibodeau played this too, and also Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams bites towards the midline of the defense. And kind of
1: takes himself out of position to where the run is actually going. But watch how he clubs Laramie Tunsil and swims over the top wow. of him to make this tackle. Like, I'm telling you, man, Leonard Williams, we talk so much about Texas launch, but Leonard Williams has plays like this every week when he's healthy and when he's right like that is a very talented play don't love how he took himself out of position i'm wondering if there was some sort of play call there, there, there could have been a reason why he did this and because look he's like removing yeah, himself it might have been
2: that. part of like the blitz like have him looping and then he recognizes it's a run and then he just like uses his athleticism like he said in his ridiculously long arms to get back into position
1: He's so long, dude. That's a, that's just a great individual effort right there from Leonard Williams. And another yeah. thing too, this is the Giants force the punt here. But another thing too about Kayvon Tibbitt, I just see people like being like, oh, well, what is he doing? You know. And there are clips going around Twitter of like Larry Tunsil controlling him. And Larry Tunsil, that's a tough ask. That really yeah. is. He had a pressure on the on the first play of the game, and then you didn't see him at all. I'm still not sitting here like, oh, he's a bust or anything like that because in the run you see plays like this you're going to see another play where it was a jet sweep to Brandon Cooks where he kept the contain and he boxed him inside and forced him yes. towards other defenders but those other defenders were irrelevant because Kayvon Thibodeau threw a hold essentially Superman dove at the hips of Brandon Cooks and ends up making the tackle so he contains and then makes a tackle and I feel like every week he does this in the run game and there's somewhat of a negative narrative surrounding Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't want to say it's a narrative but there just are some people who are like oh yeah he's a bust or whatever
2: I just think that's a ridiculous mistake. the expectations are so high for anyone who's drafted inside the top 10. They just want like splash plays. But just because he's not delivering the actual splash plays doesn't mean he's not playing well. Like if you didn't have Kayvon Thibodeau on the field, I like a Shane Zimenez and I like him in this role, and I like jihad ward, but I wouldn't want to have if you had jihad ward and a Shane Zimenez as the only two other guys at the edge line, like on the end of the line of scrimmage, there would be issues in the run game. Like Kayvon Thibodeau's athleticism, like you said. Spills plays back inside and plays a big role in limiting bigger plays in their own game. So I'm with you. The pass stuff, the pass rush stuff will come with time. L- L- Laramie Tunsil has been one of the best pass protectors in the NFL this season by all the numbers and by the metrics and if you go by the film guys who do offensive line film stuff, he's been one of the best pass protectors in the NFL. So it's a tough matchup. Like you're not, you shouldn't expect the rookie to beat Laramie Tunsil early and often. Like it's just not going to happen unless they're absolute. Like if you got the Micah Parsons of a class, sure. Like if they're, if he was a Micah part, he's not, I don't think he's going to be Micah Parsons. I think that that's pretty clear at this point. I don't want to knock. Like it's not a knock on him. Like we're comparing him to like the best young defensive end to come out in the last 20 years or whatever it is. Um, but You know you would see it only in those scenarios i think there's plenty like Aidan hutchinson if he has to match up against uh laramie Tunsil, i think he'd have trouble any of the other edges from this class as well
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: If you like feeling good, give Liquid Death a try. I've tried it, and I got to say, it's refreshing. So go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Please make sure you add the slash bigblue. That would be excellent. Liquid Death, murder your thirst. I'm pretty sure I've brought this up on the podcast, but it's been over a year, so I'm going to say it again about Laramie Tunsil. Did I ever tell you how the Laramie Tunsil bong thing, I think, significantly changed the course of the New York Giants history? Well, I,
2: you have, but I don't know if the Giants are ever going to go for Tunsil, even without the bong. No, it
1: wouldn't have been Tunsil. Tunsil okay. would have went like you first overall. But that would have had a trickle down effect to where Jack Conklin and Ronnie right. Stanley might have been around because the Giants didn't want to draft Eli Apple. That was one of right. the most like they didn't even freaking interview the guy. Like they yeah. didn't interview him. It was like, who's our highest graded player? What's our biggest need? Let's go with that guy. Like Eli right. Apple was so shocked when he was drafted. And I think if that, tweet or whatever it was never dropped, there would have been a trickle down effect and the giants would have ended up landing somebody that they actually wanted, which could have changed the course of the latter part of Jerry Reese's tenure. And who knows what would have happened at that point? Because True. Eli Manning was, if it was an offensive lineman, if it was Jack Conklin, if it was um, Ronnie Stanley, yeah both were
2: hits, Stanley and Conklin before the injuries, both were like elite players.
1: They, they were both elite players yeah. and that could have changed the end portion of Eli Manning's career. So I just think it had a True. huge butterfly effect.
2: Yeah, it really did. That's a good point. it sucks because it ended with a it's like a butterfly effect that ends in the wrong direct because of that video. Now they end up with Eli Apple, like you said, and just like within a couple of years they're trading him for pennies on the dollar. The of the, these, these, these first round picks, man, I mean, Baker, <laughs> Eli Apple and carries Tony. They just trade. They traded them all for pennies. Baker, they didn't even get anything for the other two were like pennies on the dollar type trade. Just crazy how that worked out. Um, Hopefully that's the end of that. Like, I don't think the Joe I'm hoping the Joe Shane era doesn't have any of those. And I don't I really don't think it will. And when it does, well, we'll criticize it, but the process
1: yeah. that Joe Shane is adhering to right now and just how in line he is with Brandon Brown and all those other guys in the pro and the college scouting department, it just gives me such a confident feeling in the direction of this franchise. And we're already seeing the early fruit be born right now, right? I mean, the Giants are seven and two right now. How crazy is that?
2: Yeah. And it's not just like they're seven and two. I think Justin Pennick of Talking Giants brought this up this week um, and he made a great point. It's like they're seven and two and they're getting contributions from this new scouting department. Guys like Pinnock playing, right? Guys like Tyree Phillips giving who they who they claimed as well. And there's that list goes on and on. And it doesn't even include the draft picks who are playing Dane Belton and Micah McFadden and everyone who's not hasn't been injured has basically gotten on the field. And that necessarily wasn't always the case in the past with the with the you know with the past regimes and so I, i'm with you i mean it, it, it's always weird to me because you know the last regime judge and Gettleman, they always made the case that they wanted to get players who were good for the culture and vetted and then they make a pick like Kadarius D- tony meanwhile like the guys who the giants brought in this year from a vetting sample like they're all no there's been zero off-field issues at all with neil robinson uh cave thibodeau Dane Belton and not Josh, only to no off field issues, they all were exactly what they expected, right? They wasn't like they had one interview with the combine, like they did with Tony. And they're like, we loved his bubbly personality at 1am. No, these are dudes who they expected to come in, work their asses off, learn the systems, fa- learn the system fast on both sides of the ball, And literally every single rookie in the class did that. So that's the I, difference.
1: I think the giants probably don't have the biggest draft board. I think they are looking for specific individuals no. and specific players to fit the scheme that is implemented. So it's it's a little bit more selective, and I think you're going to see guys who might be quote unquote reaches. But I think Joe Shane knows a little bit more than the Mel Kuipers of the world or the right, us right. like us. You know what I mean? So I'm going to trust yeah. the process here. Full Sam Hinky at this moment.
2: Yeah, exactly. And we'll see where it goes with that.
1: Do you get that reference or no?
2: Ah, uh, the the Sixers. The trust the process. Yeah,
1: there we go. Nice, bro. You
2: think I don't know that trust the process. Yeah, I, I would hope you did. You just had no reaction to the Sam hinkey comment. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about something. I was thinking about. I was. I had my mind on Dave, Davey Boy Gatelman who's still always, always, uh, always. He owns permanent real estate in my mind. I mean, <laughs> he, said, sure. he really does. Dude. <laughs> I was just about to say, bro, he
1: owns real estate in your mind. That's yeah. so funny. All right, it's let's get back to this.
2: real estate after what he put me through. Um, let's get back into this thing. We've have the sixth drive coming up here. This was a five play nine yard drive. There was only a minute to go in the half. The Texans were trying to put three on the board, uh, getting a little, tried. It, or We're hoping to get a little aggressive. Um, and first down goes for nothing. They try a little rollout, half field type thing. Um, there's just nothing open here. Good pressure. Good, good penetration from the Giants.
1: Yeah, a lot of these plays, I think, are just like little quick screens. That was a move-the-pocket play, and the difference between like the bootleg and the move-the-pocket. Bootleg is when you're just running out there by yourself. A move-the-pocket is when the pocket literally moves with right. you. And you can see on that specific play, the pocket was moving. Davis Mills tried to get greedy, almost threw a pick, which would have been a wild pick by a Dory Jackson, mind you, and then he gets hit by Jahad Ward to set up the second-and-10 screen to Rex Rexy Burkhead. Not-so-sexy Rexy
2: Burkhead. And this is a great call by the Texans. They didn't have, this was a chess match that I think was clear. Wink Martindale won, but there were some examples of the Texans winning. This was one, the giants are blitzing off the left, as you can see on the screen and the t- off their left side, as you say, and the Texans call screen to their left side away from the blitz. That's drawn up. That's as perfect as you can get from an offensive play caller standpoint when somebody's, when they're actually sending blitzers and you throw the screen to the opposite side of the blitz and it's just a good play call. And it worked. And this goes for a chunk yardage.
1: Absolutely right. This is where this is the blitz that we saw a little bit earlier where the Giants send two guys through the B gap and then they drop those backside defenders off into like middle hook type of coverages. So not only are the Giants blitzing, but Jason, uh, Jason Pennock and uh, and Jahad Ward are, are dropping into the middle portions of the field. So now there's only one player and that's Oshane Zimenez on the side where Rex Burkhead catches his football. So, like you said, excellent play call
2: right here to set up a first and 10. And the Giants are very lucky on this one that the Texans are still using players like uh, Burkhead and Ogawali on these plays. If you run that play with Damian Pierce, that could have been an explosive play that got them into uh, field goal range. So they're just very lucky that the Texans aren't at the point yet where they trust Pierce and that type of role. Because you could see on that screen to Burkhead, man, Burkhead should not be in my mind. Nick Burkhead should not be playing in the NFL right now. I understand like he's smart, whatever. They trust him in pass downs. The dude knows how to pass protect. He knows the calls, blah, blah, blah. In space there, he looked god-awful on that screen. He had so much space, and he turned it into, like, an 11-yard gain. And just the way he ran, the the way he finished that screen, man, I I just remember seeing it on the broadcast and seeing it on the film again. Just confirmed it for me. I was just like, this dude is just – it's an advantage for the Giants when they put him on the field.
1: Yeah, I guess you can't really give Damian Pierce 45 touches a game, so you're going to have to sprinkle (laughs) in the – Giants certainly don't give
2: a crap. They do it with Barkley.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think while Barkley's built different though, right? So yeah. on this first and 10 play, the Giants don't blitz, but they send five. So I guess it technically is a blitz, but they're in their tight front five guys on the line of scrimmage. But what I love about this play call is they run mirrored TE twists from Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jahad Ward, and uh, O'Shane Zimenez. And that's going to isolate Dexter Lawrence against the center. By TE twist, that means the tackles are going to penetrate the B gap while the ends are going to press upfield to get the tackles to go back into their pass set, and then the ends are going to loop right underneath the tackles. So it's picked up pretty well by the Houston Texans, but Dexter Lawrence just bullies Questenberry. This allows Questenberry to have no help whatsoever. Dexter Lawrence just takes him for a ride right into the backfield. Davis Mills almost throws an interception to Dane Belton again, bro. We talk a lot about Dane Belton. Look. Oh, it goes right through his hands, man. Like that, that is very, very close. And the ball ends up going
2: incomplete to Nico Collins. That's how close Belton was to having a two interception game. And that's wild. This is a day three draft pick as a rookie, almost had a two interception game for the Giants that close.
1: It goes right through his hands. And this is like fourth time. We're talking about Dane Belton almost coming away with, with interceptions this year. Like I said, the variance is going to come back for him. And we see that a little bit later on in this game
2: for sure for sure sets up the second and 10 you just get a little a cap uh a cap pressure here and once again the texans just using pre-snap leverage just fire quick to the to the outside hash uh to to uh brandon cooks and you have a wasted
1: blocker as well, because O'Shane Zimenez drops off in the coverage. That's going to hold Laramie Tunsil. You send Dexter Lawrence and Jahad Ward at Kenyon Green and Questenberry, which is going to open up the A-gap because Leonard Williams isn't going through the inside shoulder of the guard. He's going through the outside shoulder of the guard with Titus Howard being occupied by Pinnock. So you have a two-versus-one against Rex Burkhead with Kayvon Thibodeau and Dane Belton blitzing. This is just what Wink Martindale does, but pass ends up getting completed to Brandon Cooks for about six yards to set up this third nine.
2: Yeah, well, they they had a false start at, at third and four, so it does go to third and nine after the false start or is the lay of game one of the two. Bad snap leads to bad things, usually. Davis Mills scrambling right after that bad snap. Tries to get to the edge and reset pocket, but by that point, uh, Jihad Ward's right near him for the sack. And Jihad Ward getting stats right now. Jihad Ward had such a huge
1: impact on this defense earlier in the season, and he's still having a, a good impact, I would say, but in a lot of these passing situations, I think ideally you would want, to have other edge rushers in the game. Here the Giants are in a unique situation where you have O'Shane Zimenez on the field, you have Kayvon Thibodeau on the field, and Jihad Ward is playing a quote unquote defensive line role along with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And I think that's one of the my favorite things about Jihad Ward is he is big enough and physical enough to actually play defensive line responsibilities. And he doesn't and he can also play edge. So he really has, you know, two huge skill
2: sets that can be leveraged on this defense. Yep. And this play is the last play of the Texans offense that leads to halftime. It's halftime. It's halftime.
1: What what reference is that? Because I'm, I'm not that <laughs> I up you are not going
2: to pick that up. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to hope that somebody listening to the podcast knows that reference. I'll tell you off the pod, but yeah, you know what? I know it. No, I won't. Uh, you should know this reference, Nick. This like okay. any human being who grew up in our age group, I just would hope has listened to that song and just would immediately know what it's halftime with those with those trumpets or whatever those those horns are coming in. Uh, what Wait,
1: it was it? Is it?
2: No, Is no, that the, no, 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 no! Don't even disrespect it with something like that. Oh okay, well, just God, there's God, so that, many people listening right now. If you're listening right now, and you're as disgusted as I am, that he just confused that burner up, burn up, burn up BS crap song with <laughs> with with what I was referencing Half halftime. Well, then what were you referencing? Spill it. You're not gonna, you won't even know it if I say it. So just wait for one of the listeners to come you know in, hopefully in it? the YouTube comments, and just rip you to pieces for not knowing that little hum. But I might have done it so poorly that people didn't pick it up. I hope I did it right. No, I know I did it right. I just, you know, when you hum something, people don't always pick it up because your humming is worse. than You think you're humming it. You think you're humming it right. But, like, you think you're doing the right sounds, but then you're not. Like, to that, in your mind, it sounds good. But to others, it sounds like crap. So I think that's probably one of the situations. But since we started doing this thing, I've always wanted to do that little. It's halftime. It sounds
1: familiar. But You've I think we should probably get back to the it. game. If you're not going to <laughs> spill the beans, I'm sure there are other people listening to this podcast who are either a saying "shut the hell up" and talk about the Giants, <laughs> definitely, or b saying "Dan, freaking tell us what the hell you're talking." No, it's
2: about. definitely a. And for the people who don't who are saying b, you should know it too. So let's move on back to the game. Nick <laughs> will figure this out at some point. Uh, hopefully, the people can the people can uh, do me a solid here. But the Texans, like the Giants, came out with some second half adjustments, and so their first drive of the second half is a seven-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, just like the Giants who came out with a touchdown drive making their halftime adjustments. The Texans did something similar here. So kudos to them on this drive. It starts with the play Nick referenced earlier, this jet sweep to Brandon Cooks, where Kayvon Thibodeau does a really good job of forcing the contain, forcing the run back inside. This is what you always want to see. You know, earlier in the season, in that Travis Etienne big play, the 42-yarder, uh, I think it was Darnay Holmes did a poor job of, of forcing the run back inside. That's what you always want to do, contain, keep the run inside and Thib- Thibodeau uses his length here to not only contain and force the run back inside, but then actually make the tackle come off the block to make the tackle.
1: It's a great individual effort from Kayvon Thibodeau, but look, Houston's like, you want to keep aligning in that tight front. You want to keep blitzing right. Michael through the a gap, which forces Jalen Smith to kind of shade towards his direction. Cool. We're just going to run to the opposite direction. And as long as Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't blow this play up, this could be like a 10 yard gain, right? And Kavon Thibodeau blows this play up. So it ends up being a solid gain. I believe it goes for five Five, yards, but still great play by Kavon Thibodeau because Brent Cooks realistically, if Kavon Thibodeau doesn't make this individual play, it's him and it's Dane Belton because Nick McLeod might end up getting blocked here as well. So Dane Belton realistically could have just made this tackle, maybe an eight, nine, 10 yard gain. But I just really want to applaud Kavon Thibodeau for for basically doing everything on this individual play.
2: Yeah, it's an all Thibodeau kind of play. Um, So for the haters out there saying he's not getting enough pressure against guys like Laramie Tunsil, well, you saw him make a play there, and that was all him. Uh, Texans come back here with a second-and-five play, a little 12 personnel here, five-yard run on a first down. 12 personnel is right, double Y set. They run towards that side, but it's in the A-gap.
1: Mondu ends up kind of setting a firm little, I guess you could say, just setting Titus Howard up right into the B gap. So I guess it is the B gap because there's a double team on Dexter Lawrence. So yeah, it would be a B gap run. And I feel like it's a very narrow rushing lane, but Damian Pierce does a good job finding it. But what I like from a Giants perspective is Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith engages the tight end, comes off of it, sees where Damian Pierce is, finds Damian Pierce and makes this tackle. I'm telling you, man, Jalen Smith was horrendous against Jacksonville. He was absolutely terrible. Hated having him out there on the field, but these last two games, he's played significantly better.
2: And what does that align with, Nick? It's aligned with him shifting over into the Mike linebacker role.
1: It absolutely does. Yeah. And on this play, Micah McFadden, I mean, even he ex- though
2: he's not on this play, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. But this is nickel, nickel personnel, but yeah. Uh, good, good overall play right here from Jalen Smith. Micah McFadden ends up kind of getting a half tackle as yep. well. The linebacker's just playing
2: so much better. First and 10 here. This is an example of the Texans taking advantage of some halftime adjustments, the Giants aggressiveness, things that you've mentioned. It's a little play action slide hits the hits Aikens who gave the Giants trouble in the whole second half here. Um, and Jalen Smith gets out there, but just not in time to to make a play on this. And it turns into a nine yard gain. Tom and Fox
1: ends up, I think accruing a pressure. He's just the unblocked defender on the play action. This is a really just nice little play design, simple pitch and catch to Jordan Aikens picks up. I think nine yards on this play. Was it?
2: Yep. A nine yards sec-
1: second and one, another play action pass to Chris Moore. Almost an interception by Micah McFadden. I love how Micah McFadden drops to depth once he realizes where the football is going. But just a beautiful adjustment, I guess you could say. And kind of lucky
2: for Chris Moore. But good concentration to catch this football on a little bit of a free spot. This is a lucky play. It's a great concentration play by, by Moore. But I mean, this tipped, almost picked, bounces right into the spot where this dude can bobble it and catch it. Like, this is a lucky play.
1: But look at Micah McFadden. Micah McFadden steps to the play action like he's going to fill his run fit, which is right there in the A-gap. You can see him looking at the A-gap. Leonard Williams goes to his right. O'Shane Zimenez goes to his right. They all have to respect the play action so it slows down the pass rush. You see how they're all shrugging their feet and then they stop their feet. They lock out, get eyes on Davis Mills, realize it's a play-action pass. But watch Micah McFadden specifically. Once he realizes it's a play-action pass, He's looking all around to see where the hell are those crossing routes going. And right here, he notices Chris Moore is going around Jalen Smith. You can see him make eye contact. Then he sinks to the depth, sink, 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 gets his hands on the football and almost comes away with an interception here. It's a good individual play by Mike McFadden. Obviously, you want him to catch the football, but I did
2: appreciate what I saw from the rookie here. That was a great rep for McFadden. I like how you broke that down. Nothing more to add on it, but it does lead to a 23-yard gain. A little lucky, but a 23-yard gain. Uh, that's when they try a little play action pass here, and the Giants get hit with another. I mean, just the, the roughing the passers. in The NFL these days are just so garbage to me. Just like look, Denner, Dexter Lawrence like tries to make a move here to get to the quarterback, and just trips by like the move is what trips him. He doesn't really, and then just like his momentum rolls into the quarterback's legs. But anytime you go low now, they're throwing a flag. But there needs to be some kind of like nuance to this. Like the dude is just like making a spin move loses balance hits the ground and his forward momentum takes him into the quarterback's legs, but that's enough to get a 15 yard or so it turns, what should have been just, which isn't a big play anyway, by the way, a nice play here uh, to Aikens for 17 yards, but it turns into a 32 yard play, or I guess half the distance to the goal, but it's a lot of yards.
1: It's a lot of yards. This was a 17-yard gain to Aikens just on the cross without the penalty, but great adjustment by Dexter Lawrence here because Lawrence has been winning the half-man relationship against Questenberry this entire game. But Questenberry locks him up here. He gets his hands underneath Dexter Lawrence, and there's nowhere for Dexter Lawrence to go right here. He's not going to win up the arc against this center, so he just spins inside. Like Dexter Lawrence has a pass-rush plan. He has a first move, a secondary move. He can use speed. He can use power. But now he's showing this counter move, too, very well executed counter move. He kind of slips. I would say, I think in the modern NFL, as dumb as it is, this is a penalty because right here, even though he doesn't know if Davis mill still has the ball, he dives at the ankles, which is a big no, no. And you can see how Dexter Lawrence kind of dives at the ankles there. Like it wasn't just, he lost his balance and fell. Like he tries to finish the sack right here, but Dexter Lawrence ends up hitting the quarterback and doesn't know that he got rid of the football. I don't like that call because uh, just the state of the NFL But it is, I think, a roughing the passer by rule, which is unfortunate. But two spins by Dexter Lawrence and
2: Leonard Williams here to crash into the pocket and hit Davis Mills. Yep, sets up a first and ten situation for the Texans on this next play. They're just going to try a little bit of a run play, go back to Pierce here. And you got Leonard Williams making a nice play and just the entire Giants defense ready for this. Yeah, Leonard Williams
1: just sheds. I think it's Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green tries to... Tries to win low. You could see if you're watching on YouTube, he explodes through the ground low as a wide base, but Leonard Williams just gets his hands right on the breastplate and just throws him aside. Like Leonard Williams, again, bro, just absolute beast as a run defender. And Jalen Smith is also in the area to make this tackle. Yep. Look at Jalen that. Smith. Look at Jalen Smith, man. Jalen Smith on this play. He's following Damian Pierce this entire time. He steps towards his gap, sees Damian Pierce cut the football to the other side, follows him, follows him watches Damian Pierce and then allows Mondu to clear right in front of him and then just puts himself right in a position to help Leonard Williams make this tackle he looks much more instinctive
2: yeah that was a really nice play I like how you broke that down sets up this second and 12 situation you just get a little sluggo route Texans all game were trying to hit the double moves on the Giants here they hit one and as you can see from the other angle uh the sideline angle it looks good too here this is you know Davis Mills is not a good quarterback in my mind, Nick, and he or he's you know he's young and he's not great. But this is a hell of a ball by him. I mean, look at the ball placement on this thing, the trajectory of the pass, and he just drops this like a right over the left, right over the left outside shoulder into a bucket.
1: Very nice throw by Davis Mills from essentially the far hash and a good route by Nico Collins also uses that subtle push off. But watch how he sells this slant. If you're watching, you could see how he sinks his hips, presents a target. To the inside on the slow go slant. And that gets Fabian Moreau to step right there. He steps down like he's going to play the slant. And that allows for an open path towards that back pylon. Very nice route and play by the Houston Texans
2: for their only touchdown of the game. Yep. Only touchdown of the game. And that brings us to the eighth drive here for the Texans. So they just went seven plays, 75 yards, knocked in a touchdown. Their first drive of the second half. Their second drive of the second half. They start to get a little more offense going again here with an eight-play 67-yard drive, but it ends in the red zone with a nice play by the Giants to force a fumble on Damian Pierce and then to recover that fumble.
1: Just crazy, man. The Giants are just so consistent with finding a way to force these turnovers. It's the most opportunistic defense I've seen in quite a while in terms of not even coming away with interceptions, just the fumbling, which is there's just so much variance to that.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So hopefully that variance doesn't come back to bite them, but starts off with a 13-yard run. Uh, where Michael McFadden just kind of gets blocked out of the play tripped up a little bit. And, he does. Uh, he gets
1: tripped though. I think is main, like again, he meets the fullback at the line of scrimmage. The fullback has a much cleaner shot on Michael McFadden right. and Michael McFadden absorbs it. And I think he's going to present himself at the line of scrimmage and make this tackle. But Leonard Williams gets blocked right into his knee and he ends up getting rolled up on a little bit. Luckily he was fine because you've seen players get injured. Oh yeah. In that leads to an
2: injury play. a lot. The type of play.
1: Jalen Smith, though, dives from the other linebacker position. I mean, all in the beginning of the season, we talked about linebackers bailing out their fellow linebacker. Jalen Smith almost does that here, makes contact with Damian Pierce, and then Dory Jackson also does, Dane Belton does, and the Giants rally and have, like, basically all their defenders. But it ends up being a 13-yard gain to set up this first and 10 play action
2: and completion. Yep. And just like Nick said, it sets up a first and 10 play action. They try a little comeback here, but the ball's short, if I remember this play right. Yep. Yeah, it could have been caught, but you just need bad, to get more throw. power from <laughs> the. Oh, say, it's definitely a bad yeah. throw,
1: but it's it's catchable. It's, it's you know, catchable.
2: It's There's a comeback guy, route. You got to put that ball like what, this is just a horrific. I just don't understand. It's like, was it tipped or just this is Davis Mills? He just this is the ball he drives. There's no drive on the ball.
1: No drive whatsoever. It's very low. It's it's Can't terrible. In
2: and it, these are the throws that people talk about when they evaluate college quarterbacks coming to the NFL. Like, does he have the arm talent to drive the outside the hash throws? And I just don't know that Davis Mills really has that.
1: I mean, it's definitely not consistent. You would imagine he could make this throw, typically. Right. Yeah, he can make it at times. How? Why he's judging it so poorly here? Because unless Brandon Cooks might have ran the wrong route. I mean, he's been yeah, that's always away possible. from the team. Possibly he ran it at a. At a at a deeper depth or something. I'm not really sure, but that's not a great
2: look. No, (laughs) when you have a clean pocket like that and a balanced base, and that's where the ball ends up, not a good look. And as you can see, it leads to the second and 10 here where you have a nice PBU at the line of scrimmage from Dexter Lawrence, the man who does everything on this giants defense can even slide, get his hands up and bat a ball down from, uh, from turning into anything.
1: This is a different type of blitz than what we've seen this season. You're going to have the Giants with two defensive linemen, Kavon Thibodeau as a as a seven technique outside of the tight end, and then Taman Fox or a six technique outside the tight end. and Taman Fox all on the line of scrimmage, but Dexter Lawrence is a one shade, and then Leonard Williams is a three shade. So. You have some space there on the line of scrimmage, but what happens is Dexter Lawrence is going to fan to his left, along with Leonard Williams, are going to slant, something that the Giants did a lot to kind of slow down the rushing attack, as we brought up on the offensive podcast of Damian Pierce, and then you're going to take Kayvon Thibodeau and run right at Laramie Tunsil, While you're doing that, you're blitzing Dane Belton, who is aligned as the apex defender and Michael McFadden, who is right off the ass of Kayvon Thibodeau, who are both going to end up being almost unblocked. Davis Mills gets rid of the football quickly because I think he recognized the pressure and ends up getting knocked down. But it's a little bit different from the other pressures that we've seen throughout this season from Wink Martindale.
2: Yep. Yep. And that sets up a third and 10 situation here where we saw early in the game. The Giants gave up a huge play when Dane Belton took a bad angle on a 44-yard run. This is another one of the bigger plays they gave up just because it was third and long, third and 10 ends up being for 13. And it's another play that you can kind of Tip tip your hat on just Dane Belton not making good play. He's out of position here against Aguvoale. I don't really know why he's taking so many steps to the right right at the start. And then he just doesn't have the recovery speed, I guess, to make a play on this football and stop it short. But, I mean, until garbage time, the Texans didn't really move the football. They had that big Pierce play. They had This was one of their bigger plays, the third and long conversion. And both times it was actually Dane Belton in the mix as the reason why those plays were given up. So it's just something I'm keeping an eye on Nick, as we move forward, as we get bigger games on the horizon, like the Cowboys and the Eagles, this defense is going to, the people are underestimating the impact of losing Xavier McKinney.
1: They absolutely are. Xavier McKinney is vital to this defense. I think the the Giants and Dane Belton specifically is out of position here because he might be watching the eyes of Davis Mills and Davis Mills eyes oh, right. if can go to his left, Davis Mills left. And I think that forces Dane Belton, to flow in that direction, trying to come up with a turnover worthy type of play, something yes. that, you know, we've talked about a lot, even on this podcast. And then you could see Davis Mills transition to a Goomba Wale. And at this point, Dane Belton is completely out of position. So that's just a, not a great play from the rookie, but I think it also kind of just, a reason why it happened was because he has that greedy nature to try to force these turnover worthy plays, which I do appreciate. And you also have a, a twist up front from Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence ends up getting into the pocket.
2: Yep. Great point. Um, And yeah, that's just kind of about, maybe that's just who we live and die with when it comes to Dane Belton. He's he's going to have those interception type plays. Like we said, he almost jumped one earlier in the game. He gets one later. And so maybe you take the good and bad with him, but I I do think overall they're going to be a significantly worse defense without McKinney, even though it hasn't really shown up just yet against the Davis Mills offense, but it will. But luckily, the Giants, after giving that first down, get a sack immediately after the first, uh, uh, on a first and 10 here, with both Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams getting penetration. Like you said earlier, like when you talked about that other long developing play action play where the Giants got immediate pressure, it just felt like this was not a good game for the Texans to try to run play action against the Giants because they were just winning so consistently up front with those two guys, specifically Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And this is a great example of that.
1: Well, how many times when you, when you employ this front, Dan, five guys on the line of scrimmage, a lot of the times they end up coming. How many times did you see Dexter Lawrence
2: get double teamed in this game? Yeah, I don't think like I can't, not a lot. Not a lot. I can't trying to think of maybe one hand, a few, not even
1: not when they were in tight front. It never happened, so it just puts so much stress on Questenberry. You can see here, if you you look closely, how efficient the hand usage. Dexter Lawrence fires his right hand and just makes contact with the initial stab of the center. Obviously, the center has to snap the football with one hand, so he's going to try to initiate contact with the other. Dexter Lawrence knows this. He catches that hand and then just brings his other arm underneath the armpit and lands that rip move. We've seen a little bit, Uh, And previously, when, when Dexter Lawrence had the spin and he took the penalty, we saw a similar position that the center was in. But right here, the center isn't in as good of a position. You can see right now, this center is not going to win against Dexter Lawrence when he is driving through the ground and he's rising his pad level with that rip move, because now you're just bringing the center of gravity up so high from this center. And look, the center has no leverage to to actually hang on to this block. So Dexter Lawrence ends up shedding him and then wraps up Davis Mills and throws him to the ground, along with Leonard Williams. This is just a really good job by Dexter Lawrence to use his hands efficiently and effectively, really quick. Like one pass rush move to break contact, secondary pass rush move to use the rip, and then you just run through the hip-to-hip relationship, the half-man relationship, sack.
2: Love it. Yeah, great breakdown, great sack. Giants set up the second and 16 here. And then, unfortunately, the Giants have given up a lot of big plays on, like, second and 25s, third and long, second and longs. I think this was the 46-yard tight end screen to Jordan Aikens. This is just, like, one of the worst plays I've seen on their defense in a long time since that Jacks game, where there's just, like, bad pursuit, bad angles, missed tackles. And it's just play should never go for 46 at most. Like, it's a good call against this. Look, it's a good call against the look. It should go for, like, 12 to 16. But to go for a 46, it's going to require some bad angles and some bad tackling.
1: When well, we talk about how the Giants have all these rookies playing and how awesome that is. And it is, but you have these rookie type of mistakes. This is Micah McFadden's fault right here. Micah McFadden's guy is Jordan Akins. And that's a big reason why this play ends up happening. If you watch in the beginning of the play, he's pointing towards Jordan Akins, but this is a play action, tight end screen. Micah McFadden steps towards the play action side. And then at that point. Laramie Tunsil's already climbing up to him as Davis Mills still has the football. There's really no path that Micah McFadden can have towards Jordan Akins. Tough assignment, but instead of going over the top, he goes to try to undercut the play, and then he just gets washed away by Laramie Tunsil here. And He could have flowed over the top to kind of box Jordan Akins back inside. Tries to undercut it initially, and Jordan Akins has passed him by that point, point. and all these pursuit defenders just end up making Jordan Akins look like he's freaking Derrick Henry out here.
2: You're damn right they do. Unfortunately. I mean, I don't know. This is just like Jordan Aikens was a former giant, by the way, It's just so weird to see him making plays out there in this game. Uh, I thought, you know, McFadden was probably my biggest culprit on that play. I just thought he could have had done a better job of containing on that screen, uh, forcing it back inside. Instead, he tries to go around the defender and to the left. And that's kind of what sets the whole thing up. If he takes a hard angle to his right at start there and doesn't try to go around the defender, at least maybe that will force Aikens to cut back earlier. Um, but, Regardless, 46 yard play here. Um, So then we have this first and 10 play, just a little toss play out there. Uh, Giants ready for it. And a nice, nice tackle there by 30.
1: Yeah. Darnay Holmes makes a really good play here. See how he fights through the block on the sideline angle. Darnay Holmes, man, pound for pound. He's a really tough player. Not a big guy but he's he's a really physical tackler. Now, he doesn't even fight through a block right here. He goes unblocked, but he beats the pulling offensive lineman because this is a playside tackle center, power gap type of pull. He beats them to their set points and ends up forcing Damian Pierce inside, but he makes the tackle as well, not just containing, but also making the tackle.
2: Yep, and that sets up a second intense situation, and this is the fumble from Damian Pierce that takes at least three points off the board for the Houston Texans here. Um, good play by looks like Thibodeau and Leonard Williams on this play, uh, to force the fumble and the giants got lucky. Like you said, a little bit earlier, just with the, they've been a little lucky with the fumble lock. And this also, by the way, I thought I, was, I just noticed as we ran it back and I had this in my notes, this is a great play by Leonard Williams, not only because he made the play on the ball with K, with KT, with Thibodeau, but he was held. Like, look at the, look at the Texans lineman have his whole full left arm wrapped around, uh, Leonard Williams there. I think it actually was called there too.
1: It was called and, and Green did not have a great game. And what strength Leonard will strengthen leverage. Like look how low Leonard Williams is. He has to eat a double team from Kenyon Green and Laramie Tunsell. And he still maintains that low leverage. And the the hit by Laramie Tunsil kind of threw Kenyon Green off balance. And Leonard Williams took advantage of that. You can see how Leonard Williams kind of uses torque to throw Kenyon Green aside and then bring his outside, his inside hand, I should say, over the top of Kenyon Green to create that separation and force the hold. And now he is. just peekabooing right in the face of Damian Pierce and Damian Pierce has to cut away from him. And at that same time, you have Kayvon Thibodeau eating a double team from the double Y set, those two tight ends, but the one tight end transitions to Dane Belton. So now it's just Kayvon Thibodeau against Jordan Aikens. So Leonard Williams being in the position that he's in forces Damian Pierce right towards Kayvon Thibodeau and they both kind of sandwich Jordan Aikens and Damian Pierce. So you have a giant sandwich with Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau as the bread, and then the football is that pickle that ends (laughs) up slapping
2: out. Yeah, I like how you described that, like a sandwich, like something you're eating. You might not know halftime reference for some odd reason, but um, at least you know that. So at least you can do that kind of analogy. So that is obviously the last play of the drive. All right, we start this ninth drive here. It's a four play 23-yard drive for the Texans. It ends in an interception, the Dane Belton interception. Good play by the Giants, obviously, to take points off the board again. This defense is opportunistic. Like Nick said, the fumble, the interception took at least three, at least six points off the board, maybe more. Starts with a little quick hitter, though. Once again, moving the pocket, hitting Nico Collins. Collins makes a nice move to get back inside on Fabian Moreau and create like five yards after the catch.
1: Also, look at the Giants, man, because I've heard like people say the Giants just stop bringing pressure in the second. The Giants are still bringing pressure here. I just feel like the adjustments that Houston made really just kind of allowed them to move the football against the right. cover one defense that the Giants were running, the man coverage on the back. And look, they bring Nick McLeod down. I'm not sure if Nick McLeod was just going to take Damian Pierce on, on the route here, but it also looks like Jalen Smith is playing Damian Pierce. You have Micah McFadden coming from the backside. You have six guys coming in on Davis Mills here, but moving the pocket kind of allowed Davis Mills to get on the run and also worked for the route concept that Collins ran, which was basically just a deep curl.
2: Yeah, exactly. And they had to move the pocket because they couldn't protect the traditional drop back pass game. So I mean, we've obviously heard, you know, as giants fans this season with our side of the ball at times. Um, and so that's what they had to do. And this, this play right here was just the best throw of the game by Davis mills. I thought it was the best throw of the game in general. Great anticipation throws it to a spot instead of to the open receiver and puts like this is this is the type these are the type of throws I'm hoping the Giants offense will have more of in the second season. I just want to see more throws man where it's like they go for the deep over. They throw it into space. It's thrown with anticipation into into like an open vacated area. It's not like Mills did this often. And you could see Mills do a good job of also kind of navigating, manipulating the pocket, resetting his feet to get to a, a solid spot to throw the football from, a good throwing lane. But mostly here it's the anticipation and it's the throwing to the spot and it's the challenge of the intermediate level of the field that I like.
1: I think this is probably quarters coverage. Just looking at it, there, there's nobody to challenge Fabian Moreau at the top of the screen, but Adoree Jackson ends up getting cleared out by Nico Collins. And it looks like Julian Love believes that Brandon Cooks is going to run some sort of inside breaking route because Julian Love just takes himself out of position. You can right. see this is a sale concept, essentially, with the three levels, only there's a, uh, Poco route kind of from that number one, the post corner route from Nico Collins. I like this play call though, because you're going to have Julian Love react to the sale, right? But say the other safety was occupied, which he is not, or if this was a too high type of look instead of quarters, Nico Collins might be open when he breaks out of the corner part and goes to the post a cop route. I should say not a Poco. You can kind of see it, but he runs off the screen a little bit there, but Adoree Jackson is
2: kind of just really good in coverage and is
1: all over his hip, but I, I still like the route concept.
2: Yeah, it was a good call by the Texans there. Sets up a big it sets it's a big play that sets up um 25 was, yards. Yeah, yeah, it was a 25 Set yards. Sets up the first and 10. I, this was the penalty was this the penalty?
1: No. No, the penalty is not on this uh feed, but the penalty was just purely facilitated by Dexter Lawrence. Dexter yes. Lawrence does an absolutely excellent job in uh just forcing Kenyon Green to hold which uh, the penalty was a touchdown pass, 19 yards to Brendan cooks right here. There's just really nowhere for Davis mills to go. He's kind of scrambling, looks like a chicken with his head cut off, which would be still just an absolutely long neck without a head on it. And then uh, Mm he, he, throws the pass just outside the reach of Nico Collins to set up what ends up being a second and 25 after that touchdown is nullified.
2: Yes. They throw the touchdown to to the cooks on the double, double move. They try it right away. They try to go back to the double move, but on this one, one, you have Dexter Lawrence, get immediate pressure to impact the throw Two, you have the safety here. Dane Belton in a position pre-snap. Like how are you throwing this ball as Davis mills? Like this is not a good decision with the safety in that spot. if Dane Belton be- wasn't there, this
1: was an interception by a Dory Jackson. Right, like right. two Giants had a chance at this football, and Philip Dorsett had basically no chance at this.
2: Yep. You nailed that.
1: This it's is a quarter, th- this is a quarter's look. Like throwing that football is, is, is very bold with like your number three or number four receiver against a Dory Jackson, but it just worked on the previous play. So this is just a young quarterback to me saying YOLO. And Dane Belton mm-hmm. ends up coming away with his first interception. And literally, dude, what's funny is the the Touchdown that was nullified, this pressure by by Dexter Lawrence, essentially the same exact pressure, only Kenyon Green doesn't hold on as long. It's just right. it's just Dexter Lawrence shooting his hands inside and bull rushing towards the outside shoulder. And you can see right here, he, Kenyon Green is still holding him, it's just not called. And then Dexter Lawrence is just too much to hold up in this type of situation. And then he gets a quarterback hit on Davis Mills. Great pick right there from Dane Bell. We'll run that back one more time just so you could see how he just tiptoes his feet in bounds and secures this football. This was not going to fool Dane Belton whatsoever. Good play.
2: Yep. So that's the interception ends that drive and it sets up the next drive for the Texans, which will be a 12 play 76 yard drive. This one ends in a field goal. The giants bog them down in the red zone, which is what you need to do as a defense. That's why the giants have been so good. Um, and it starts off with a 22 yard screen to more. So we'll just run that one. Chris
1: Moore with the 22-yard screen. Giants end up kind of pressing on Thibodeau close, which makes sense, and it's a good way to start a drive right here, right? You yeah, can see right right away just by the way Titus Howard and Questonberry just leak out. You knew this was going to be some sort of screen. Twelve throws a solid block and Darnay Holmes and nice big explosive play for Chris Moore.
2: Yeah, I mean, this Texans wide receiver core is trash. Everybody talks about how bad the Giants core is. My God, I would take Slayton, Wondell, Robinson, and Isaiah Hodgins over Brandon Cooks, Philip Dorsett, Chris Moore, Nico. Like these are just like retreads for the most part. Besides Nico Collins and Cooks, um, so I don't know, I don't I know thought- if it's as big of a disparity.
1: I might disagree with you there. Uh, um, you think I don't there know. it
2: is a big disparity? you think that the Texans have a much better receiver core? Is what you're saying?
1: No, I don't think I don't think they have a much better receiver core. I think the receiving cores are maybe a little bit comparable. No, well.
2: I think they're comparable for sure. The Giants receiver core isn't good. So it's not like the Giants have much. I would just, I shouldn't have said I would doubt. Da- no, I would. T- I mean, I would just, if the Giants right now had this receiver core, I don't think they'd be as good of an offense as if they had the guys they have personally.
1: I don't know because Brandon Cook's fully dialed in in a good situation. He's fully dialed in, It's yeah. so much better than anything
2: the Giants have. And the Nico Maybe. Collins is a I think big... Slayton's playing great though. That's the thing. Like I just don't, I know Slayton doesn't have the name, but I think he's, to me, he looked better than Brandon Cook's on film. Maybe, Maybe it's you know? the dialed in thing or whatever. But Cooks just didn't look that explosive to me on this tape, even in the routes he was trying to run like those comebacks. And then even when he got the ball in space, I just felt like Cooks didn't look that good. Maybe that's just he's not dialed in or whatever. And then the rest of that core, I don't think has as much talent. Like I'd take Robinson over the rest of that core for sure.
1: Yeah, Wando Robinson is definitely that difference maker, even though he's built Yo. so much different. But I think Nico Collins could be a good player. He's a player that I'm yeah. like, okay, in Michigan, he was a we liked him on this podcast as somebody who if he slid he's to been the hurt too. So
2: there. that's probably part of it. Yep.
1: Size speed though, you know, size yeah. speed. And you see even saw in this game, he was giving Fabian Moreau probably the most trouble Fabian Moreau has seen this
2: entire season. Yeah, good point. It's probably they're close. I think I would slightly take the Giants, but they are close and maybe I would it take is, the- but- Maybe it is right to say we should take the Texans just because of Cook's name or whatever and, and Collins. Maybe there's more upside there. But either way, I just feel like this Texans team just has no talent whatsoever. It's kind of crazy how bad. How, like, the the previous GM they had in here just did such a horrific job with this team. Even worse than Gettleman. Like, Gettleman spent all our money and did horrific things with the cap and free agency. But at least he did locate Texter Lawrence and, and you know, Xavier McKinney and players like that. But this dude on the Texans, whoever came in before... um the, the Patriots guy who's in now, cause, 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 what is it? Nick Casario, whoever yeah, came yeah. in before him, just, I think it was like partially that ja- that, that religious dude, that church guy. <laughs> I think he yeah, was like Eastern running. Yeah. I think Easterby was like, had like a huge role in personnel or whatever. <laughs> like just I a lot known as, that religious guy <laughs> yeah, That's what he was he was like a church dude that like the Texans owner is like oh I love him he's like he's in my church he we love the religion whatever and then like they'd like let's give him a role and he just like torched the roster to shred
1: oh Bill O'Brien was a big reason for yeah he was
2: also big on the personnel yeah. too you're right like he they were just letting all the wrong guys touch their personnel and now you see what happens that team like that team's gonna take a long time unless they, but I mean maybe not maybe they get Bryce Young and he's awesome or something right like you don't know
1: well, that's the thing, though, too. How many, how much draft capital did they get for shipping Deshaun Watson right. out of town? Like, that was such a topic of conversation. They have, so picks and they have
2: two first-round picks in the next two drafts.
1: And the Browns aren't good either. I mean, they might right. be next year when Deshaun Watson is actually right. playing, but they're not that great right now. So yeah, I think they're... Yeah. And I trust Casario to, to at least have a better attempt at rebuilding that roster than, sure. than what we saw from O'Brien and Easterby and whatever the heck else they were doing over there. After the 12-yard catch to Collins, we have this first-and-10 screen to Pierce. I like how patient Mills is because, look, man, you have, what, five Giants who remove themselves from the play, and it really puts a lot of stress on the defense. This ends up going for a big chunk gain to set up another first-and-10 where the Giants bring a blitz, ends up being a six-yard catch to Nico Collins.
2: I like that observation on the Mills play. That, well, he sold that screen really well, but I just, I'm just i just laughing because the difference between Damian Pierce with the ball in his hand on a screen versus Versus the lumbering Rex Burkhead is just so <laughs> wild to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you can see, man, Dane Belton has been really involved in the pressure package, just kind of penetrating that yep. A gap right behind Dexter Lawrence. And you have six guys rushing the passer right here. Against what, six that were blocking because Damian Pierce stayed in pass protection. But Nico Collins, but they've they had a lot of success, the the Houston Texans on these little quick out routes, these little quick comebacks, these little quick curls against the Giants off leverage.
2: Yeah, they did. They were, they were taking advantage of the leverage. And I think at this point, the giants were just like, they're up by so much. They kind of, it's not like they went prevent or anything, but they played it a little bit differently than I think they would have. If it was a close game, Michael
1: McFadden gets a welcome to the NFL moment, getting drilled back. But I do love how physically he is stepping down a line to take on the puller. He goes yeah. in and you know what? He doesn't really get moved a lot initially, but then he kind of gets driven back trips up a little bit and ends up getting pancaked. Yep. Six yard rush by Damian Pierce to set up this first and 10 play where dory jackson is going to show his chops against philip dorsett we also see some spin moves by Dexter warrants up front we'll watch it from the sideline angle looks like the giants are just getting set houston is using tempo at this time more quarters type of coverage with the giants up new houston was going to pass the football they just kind of default to quarters at this point limit the explosive plays
2: pbu yeah, for a dory nice pbu for a dory second and ten Uh, Shane Simmons gets in on this one, hits Mills, which then they turn this into ruling this an incomplete pass. Um, Yeah,
1: this was the play where it looked like it could have been, but O'Shane Zimenez does a good job against Titus Howard. He kind of uses a double swipe to break the contact, get to the half man, land the rip move and look at the bend from O'Shane Zimenez. O'Shane Zimenez really just bends and he gets low. You want to touch grass, right? That's what you're talking about. You want to get so low that you touch grass on this rip move. And look, His hand is close to the grass there, man. He gets really low and he corners, bends through the contact and the screen went away, but I'll pull it right up here in a second. Bends through the contact there to, to, uh, get a nice hit on Davis Mills to force that incomplete pass.
2: Yep. Sets up a third and 10 situation. The Texans actually convert on this third and 10 here. It's just going to be a little screen. I believe it was a little quick screen to Damien Pierce. And again, you can see Pierce kind of show off his post catch ability, his talent in space um and he turns it into a first down
1: giants still bringing pressure too, which you love to see right like yeah, you have pinnock sure. coming in you have leonard williams cave on one reason why the texans were so successful moving the football in the second half as you guys can see by watching the youtube is because the giants are freaking really aggressive still sending the pressure and the texans are just throwing screen passes just little quick hitters this is how davis mills ended up going for over 300 yards
2: yeah, exactly. They were there. He took advantage of some of the leverage. Um, it was a gross three hundred yards, but he got there. And so you're seeing just a two yard run. We'll go through that real quick.
1: Love the play um, by love the play by I want to break this down because this is a zone read type play. No one's scared of Davis Mills, but you still have to respect it and watch how Kayvon Thibodeau sits, looks at Davis Mills. Davis Mills doesn't have the ball. Okay, I'm going to collapse and make a nice tackle on Damian Pierce for only a two yard gain. Good play by the rookie.
2: Yeah, he played that zone read really well. Um, second and eight, they tried a little fade ball to Collins. It 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 not too much of a window and it was incomplete.
1: Yeah, you can see I don't even know what Davis Mills was doing when when he threw this football. Watch how he skipped
2: through to Moore.
1: Yes, yeah, to Chris Moore. Look how he steps up and like heaves yeah. this football. <laughs> I'm not even so sure fast. what the
2: hell he's doing. That's so weird, right there. Yeah, it's Chris hideous. Moore. Hideous. Uh third and eight. Pressure comes right in up front. You got good coverage on the back end, nothing for Mills, and it turns into an incom- incompletion leading to that quick field goal that they tried to do to get the onside. And then, you know.
1: This was good coverage by Fabian Moreau. Just stayed on top, didn't grab or anything. Just yep. Stayed up, right on top of Nico Collins' route. Let's see the pressure from the end zone angle. Just <laughs> Dexter Lawrence just making number 64 pay for trying to block him and that is more than likely a hold I would definitely say. <laughs> Giants are bringing more and more pressure right in the face of Davis Mills. This guy just did not have a lot of time to throw the football. Incomplete pass, field goal. All
2: oh, right. Was that there was one was there a final drive you want?
1: Yeah, there's a final drive just five plays It ended up resulting in a field goal. Remember they kicked the field oh, goal to get it right? Was same.
2: Exactly field goal? Yep. Yeah. So exactly. 14, 15, 16, we, we can
1: run through these plays and then do our superlatives if you would like.
2: Yeah, let's do that as we run through them, actually. So we'll just play the, we'll just let you guys watch them. We'll run it through until it's done. Let's start this one off superlatives with our unheralded player of the game.
1: Unheralded player of the game for the New York Giants. On the defensive side of the football, look, I think you can go with Jason Pinnock. I think you can go with a Michael McFadden. I think you can go with an Oshane Zimenez. But I'm going to go with a player that, is one of the best players on the defense and we don't wanna talk about him all that much. And that's a Dory Jackson. I think Mm -hmm. it could be Leonard Williams. I think it could be Dexter, it could be really anybody, but I'm gonna go with the Dory Jackson here. Does he qualify for this Dan?
2: I think so just because we haven't really named him too much in in this approach series. And one thing I wanna do, which I meant to do at the bye week Nick, but I'm gonna now have to do post bye week So I'll I'll probably try to do it in the coming days is go back and listen to re-listen to all of our podcasts and then tally up everyone we named for all of these superlatives. And then I'm going to put it on Twitter or something like that, maybe in the YouTube comments as well, where I'll just give a tally of, you know, who's won in each game, how many people won best offensive player on the field in each game, how many people won the best defense player, highest effort defense player. And that might just lead us to, you know, some interesting trends or just it it could lead to some interesting observations. So we'll look back on it. But the point I'm trying to make is I don't remember naming a Dory Jackson too much. So nice job. Give him this one. I, I like to get his name in there. What about you, my friend? I'm actually going with Jalen Smith as the unheralded player of the game. I just when I think of unheralded player of the game, I think of what made this game so good for the defense. What player did who's not getting a lot of credit? And to me, he stands out more than anyone because no one's really talking about Jalen Smith this week as having a good game. And I actually thought this was his best game as a Giant ever, including last season. I really do feel that way. It's a subtle good game. It's not like you know you could look at other games and be like, well, what about the game he had a sack? Or what about the game he got an interception? And he hasn't had an interception, I don't think, with the Giants. But it. My point is. Outside of the box score stats, just based on the actual film, this was the best game I saw from Jalen Smith, and I feel like if they didn't have him on the field in the role that he was playing, they would have been in a lot of trouble with Crowder and McFadden out there. So he wins that award for me. I think that's probably the answer.
1: I think I think you should have went first, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Jalen Smith deserves a lot of praise, especially since what we saw, you know, back in Week Seven, his game has grown so much in just two games.
2: Yeah, in the new role. How about the highest individual effort player you saw on film?
1: highest individual effort player on film i think it's dexter lawrence man you play 58 snaps (laughs) most of your pressures end up coming in the second half i think you had like three in the first half and the rest come in the second half even though you're playing 90 percent of the snap share it's just very very
2: impressive and i I think i have to go with dexter lawrence i'm gonna go with jalen smith again for this one i think the one play you out i mean it was there, it was apparent to me on like 15 to 20 plays or whatever, but the one play you outlined where he, he like went into three different gaps and then sh- 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 like shedded a, a block to get back into the play. Like in some, it was like somebody who just was out of position twice, should have never made a play on the ball and then made a play. And there were so many examples of him, like on a, from an effort standpoint, making plays on the ball, getting in on tackles. And so I just, I know I already named him unheralded player. I also think he was the highest effort player for me. I think
1: it's a shame that neither of us named Leonard Williams, though, because he could have easily any
2: of those guys. Williams, Lawrence, Jalen, McFadden,
1: KT, Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau. I mean, in the the run game. But honestly, it's hard. Like Dexter Lawrence could check so many boxes on all of these. But what's next, my man? Best player overall on film for you? Dexter
2: Lawrence. See, (laughs) like I think it has to be Dexter Lawrence. It's closer for me than it is most. We I mean, we've had Lawrence is probably on a streak. This is why I want to do the, I want to tally it up. So I know the streaks. I want to tally it up. So I know the stats. I love stats. So I will, but Lawrence has won this for us like a lot. (laughs) He might be on a streak and it's so close for me in this one closer than it's been, I should say, at least between Lawrence and Leonard Williams. That's the only, like most games it's felt like it's been Lawrence for sure, or Lawrence, the bigger gap. This one was a little bit closer, but If I'm going just by purely who was the best player I saw on film, it is Lawrence. Again, it's Williams was great. He was the second best player on tape, but Lawrence was the best player. Like by a margin, that's enough that you have to give it to him. So I'm going Lawrence as well for that. How about the play call you like the most in this game?
1: There were several. I liked yeah. a lot of the play calls. There were a lot of exotic blitzes. The Giants really kind of spiced things up. But I'm going to go with the flood the B gap with two rushers, with the middle linebacker and the apex defender. KT go wide. Leonard Williams go through the offensive guard. I, I really like that because at best case scenario for the offense is you have a two versus one in the, in the, in the gap with your running back taking on those two. So it, it's, not a great, yeah. it's not a great play to be an offensive uh, a quarterback there. You have to get rid of the football
2: quickly. I was thinking the same thing. I'm just going to go with that play as well. It just, like you said, it just makes it so hard for the off makes it so hard for the offense to not have a broken play and not have a dead play. or dead to rights play. And that's what it was, you know, and that's what wink does a lot. So how about let's do, let's wrap it up with a pass rushing grade one to 10 overall. Ah, Jeez. Pass rushing
1: grade one to 10 overall, that defensive front that the giants employed isolating Dexter Lawrence in the one-on-one matchup against the center. It was uh, brilliant because the Texans just aren't talented enough to overcome that. They can't make you pay through the air. They want to run the football. Giants shut that down. I think from a pass rush standpoint, you didn't really get too much from the edge rushers. But damn, from the interior defensive line, I got to go with a strong like 8.7, I think, is where I'm going to lean right here. Just a lot of it was Dexter Lawrence. Some of it was Leonard Williams. But man, the Giants really own the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, the, The Texans had no personnel answer for Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence in the middle there. They didn't really have much of an answer for when the Giants brought extra rushers, simulated pressures. And so it got to the point where you saw in the second half, the Texans had to change their whole game plan, start doing things like moving the pocket. And that takes away half the field. So you don't really want to do that as an offense in your passing attack. And just because of that alone, I haven't seen the Giants do that to an opposing offense all season. So this will be my highest grade as well. I'm just under the 9 mark at 8.9. All right, let's wrap this up with a run defense rating 1 to 10.
1: I think they did a good job, sans the 44-yard rush by Damian Pierce. So I'm going to go with eight, which is which is kind of weird because Damian Pierce ended up going north of 90 yards. But I think when you had Dexter Lawrence out there, they really didn't get anything going right. on the ground. And you remove the 44-yard run, which I know you can't, but if you take that away, they were not efficient at all on the ground. I think it would have been like three point something. I don't math. You know, it's difficult. So let's go with a, let's go with a little bit less. Let's go with a seven, six, but okay. I, 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 th- I thought pretty high of it, especially because those second level defenders the linebackers are yes. playing so much better than they have the entire season. And you lose Xavier McKinney, big step down Xavier McKinney from Dane Belton from a run support standpoint. I think we've seen that throughout this game. It's definitely something to pay attention to throughout the uh, games going forward. I really hope
2: McKinney is back whenever the giants play the no, Philadelphia Eagles. That's, that's going to be key. I'm going to go 8 4 a little higher than you. I just look. I do not want to take away the big play, but it's like Dane Belton just, took such a bad angle on that play that it really shouldn't. Do, that's just like one play that I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah gonna but
1: Justin it. Ellis was just removed too. And he
2: was. Yeah, on that other play for like 12 yards. Yeah. And I mean, we,
1: and we know, Dan. We know that this team wants to add some sort of upgrade to the interior. Like they put a claim in on Jerry Tillery. Yes, they wanted Jerry they Tillery. Did.
2: They lost that claim and then they got the dude from, uh, what's his name? The, the old. I'm forgetting his name already. The not,
1: not really a run defender, but if you just want to put him right. in, he would play like, he would spell Leonard Williams. That's what he would, he would right. be like Henry Mondo. Well, what is
2: Butler going to do for them?
1: Oh, Mondo, I mean, he has to get on the active right, roster. Yeah, for, I him. feel like it's competitive every week for the two practice squad elevations every yeah. week. It's like, who is it going to be like Landon Collins wasn't called up after playing solid football. So it's one of the, and we thought he was going to be. So I think it's always going to be some, some, something kind of, um, talk around Friday, like who the hell is going to get called up for this game. So uh, Mondo now he's on the active roster. So there's going to be room for somebody else to get called up. I wonder if Pimpleton will end up getting called up. Cause I don't like having a Dory Jackson as a kick or a punt. We
2: didn't even talk about the in reaction or on anything yet, but I'm in full agreement with you. I hate having a Dory Jackson back there. I'm just like, I'm out on pun I'm out on returns in general. I'm, f- I'm fully out on kick returns. <laughs> if I coached the team, I would say, kneel that shit every time and take it to the 25 because there's just not enough to gain, and there's way more to lose with the fumbles and the injury potential, too. You're also taking away a play where guys can get injured, a high like a likely play where guys get hurt. Same thing goes for the punt returns. Fair catch that shit and get off the field. Like, done. I'm done. Like, I don't care. We're not even a good, like, punt return. We're not even good at punt return blocking team, so if we do even catch it, we never have holes. Our guys never commit. They're never, like, go vertical fat, just freaking put somebody back there who can catch the football, not fumble it and call it a goddamn day. That's where I'm at with our <laughs> right now. And, and don't think anything's changing too much this season. So just get in the safe guys and don't put your, don't put a guy like a Jackson. You literally can't afford to lose back there. It makes I, I, that. I don't like by the coaching staff at all, but we'll see what
1: happens. No, I'm not a fan of it. And we should actually turn this into a quick special team segment because special teams continue to be an issue. Like those two punts by Jamie yeah. Gillen were horrendous. You, know, how much field did they flip with those two punts? Like, like you can't have that. That guy is not a good punter in terms of precision. Like, if you want no. him to, if you want to punt, if you're backed up in your own end and you want to punt the ball from your twenty to their twenty, he can do that, and that's where it's awesome. But you want it to be precise and you want to pin the football down at the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yard line. He's not the guy, man. He's going to put it in the back of the end zone. He just doesn't really have that type of leg control that you need to to right. uh, really put the football where it needs to
2: be. I will say this, though, about that as far as the roster building kind of 30,000 foot view goes and we'll wrap up with this. I do like at least that they're probably just going to like try a guy like Gillen. If he improves and starts to get better at placement, they'll keep him. Otherwise, they'll move on instead of doing like what Gettleman did, which was trade a pick a draft pick for a punter, then resign him immediately and give him guaranteed money. where we you are like cutting him and there's some dead cap like for Riley Dixon. Like so like at least we're not like doing stupid ass things like that.
1: What's the property tax on on the house that the Gettleman <laughs> yeah. owned in your mind? Well, right I did, look,
2: I had to do all <laughs> this. It's been awful year. Like we are running a pod, we're doing a Giants podcast here. I'm I was sick of the Gettleman for years, and we had like two more years after that. I was like I had reached my breaking point like multiple years before he was fired and and ruining more, more multiple more off seasons. So it'll take a while but eventually i'll get through it i promise but that's all we have for today on the big blue banter podcast keep it locked and loaded though this week we'll have previews I think we're going to do two previews we didn't do a preview last week so we'll make up for it with two lions previews from two different kinds of guys one's going to be a film dude like us and the other is going to be a former player which i think also both those two dichotomy they bring different uh, perspectives to it and then we'll probably do a mailbag or something like that as well so keep it locked and loaded have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon